So I thought I was the queen of Airbnb. Check the profile. I visited all the places. However, how can I truly be a queen if I have never been a host? Didn't even think about it, y'all. It's time to think about it because my place is cute. Why not share? I know. I got you thinking about it now. All right. Well, don't think about it. Be about it. Find out how you can be a host at airbnb.com slash host. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to QLS Classic, episode 24 with Ursher, May 2017. Uh, he's one of the brightest stars of the post-MJ generation, and we get to chop it up with Usher about his life growing up in the spotlight, not to mention the pressures of keeping that light bright. We get confessional about doing it his way. We hope you enjoy Usher, QLS Classic. Thank you. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. It's Q U E. Yeah. S T. Yeah. L O V E. Yeah. He tell me what you want to do. Suprema roll call. Why you messing up my name? Suprema roll call. Fonte's the name. Yeah. I got so many tricks. Yeah. Should've won that Oscar. Yeah. For in the mix. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. Sugar Steve. Yeah. This my confession. Yeah. I love weed. Roll call. We already knew that, Steve. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. This is Boss Bill. Yeah. Back to have some fun. Yeah. Been away for a while. Yeah. Had to get the guns. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Plus one. Suprema. Suprema roll call. I'm unpaid bill. Yeah. So what's the deal? Yeah. Been watching the West Wing. Yeah. Pretending it's real. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema, Suprema roll call. It's La Yeah. I'm already caught up. Yeah. My boo is Usher. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Suprema roll call. Okay. Suprema. Yeah. Suprema roll call. My name is Usher, baby. Yeah. I'm here with Team Supreme. Yeah. 
Uh, what y'all doing in here? Yeah. yeah. Man, I don't know what the hell. Roll call. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema. Roll call. That was cool. Ladies that was cool. You survived. Yes, we, we made did it. it. We did it. We did That's it. a rare I don't know about you, Bill. I don't know. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll admit that uh, Usher is the first uh, guest of Course Love Supreme to actually have known of the theme before it was unleashed. You know, for those that are wondering about the themes, we never tell our guests yeah. what the theme is. Like, we just, you know. You know I was trying to think of some them. funny shit to say. The whole time I wrote down a whole bunch of shit that I didn't use though. <laughs> like, so do we all? You were writing we drafts. All, we, we no, we I was do. just writing words. Like, maybe if I just have a few catch words, it'll just come to me somehow, some way. Some of the best moments of Questlove Supreme is when we mess up. <laughs> yeah. Well, in case you haven't guessed, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the ongoing tradition of adding members to the roots, as if there's not enough uh, members already, uh, I think. Usher is is is, is going to be probably member number seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> they so, all on payroll. When we, when we still <laughs> yes. <laughs> From no. here on out, I want residuals on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Get in line with the rest of the roots, son. Dope. No, ladies and gentlemen, uh, oh, please uh, welcome a uh, friend of the show, uh, friend of the roots, friend of. Yeah. Of music. Of music. I was of music. Yeah, of music. Yeah. Um, Usher Aloysius Raymond the Fourth. What's your middle name? Aloysius. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, like I bet you they're, it. they're killing <laughs> they're killing all my Cosby dreams, but I don't know. Like Theo's middle name, Aloysius Huxtable. Really? Like, that you didn't know that was no. Theo's middle name. Yeah. Yeah. What's the some what's the symbolic meaning or word of that wording? I don't know. It just Did, means that you put a lot of thought. Into the middle name, if you name that's your what child I mean. I'm saying it could Aloysius. be like it could be like attached somewhere to like the family so, roots or something. Well, yeah, if I don't know the person, I'm just saying that you. I mean, you're first of all, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Usher Raymond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got right into it. Yeah. So you said it just as is. I don't have a middle name. Uh, for real? Uh-huh. No, I don't have a middle name. Usher Raymond the fourth. I've not known well, many how many black people, people that know? are fourths. Yeah, you go. There you go. Let's talk about it. Normally, yeah. like, yeah, that's you're, real. That means you're you're. Your, your grand, your whole lineage ex- escaped hell to <laughs> make enough. No, I'm, I'm dead. No, nah, you're serious. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, joking, but serious. Yeah, like who and was your the, son is five, right? He's the yeah, fifth. he's the fifth. And who Ooh. was the first usher? What did, what did he do? He was what usher was, the first. I mean, he worked in a theater. I guess I don't know. Oh, there were theaters back then. In <laughs> no, my mind, man, I'm, I'm just, like, no. I'm just saying, we, we were all <laughs> we, obviously. What's slavery. that moment like here, though? Slavery, first yeah. narrative. No, we all were obviously given names by our slave owners, so. You know, or either within the trade of what it is that was significant in that time. So I think that maybe it had something to do with, you know, being a server or something. I don't know. You oh, know what I'm snap. But, I am but, so late on that joke. Wow. Yeah, like I, really, I don't even have a sound effect. So, of that. so wow. wait a minute. So my entire career, you thought it was a joke. Like my name really wasn't Usher. No, no, no. I knew Usher was your name, but I didn't think about Usher being a given name and it really being like maybe it was somebody who was the Usher at church from back in the day. Or we well, just I don't know if they were having up. church back then. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, they were using church to control church us. To yeah, that's how, we got, that's how we found Jesus. Yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so even though you're freestyling this, I I would almost lean towards believing that's probably how there's some truth to it. I the, don't know the lineage certain. of yeah, of, but I've become name. curious within the last uh, two years. You know what I'm saying? I did I did like I about to say you did the uh, I did the, the 23 and Me and also too have been doing a lot of with other Skip just Gates? research. You did that, yeah. Well, wow. not necessarily with you know Henry Gates, but uh, the, but the point is just to understand where I come from. So what are you? I'm West African. We all are. <laughs> I, isn't that true? Yeah. I mean, the research that comes Don't back on every person that I've ever asked, like West Africa, or either you haven't chosen to look. Have, have you? I have not. Not yet. He's from the South. That yet. Well, that's good. Well, because that gives you an opportunity to do something. I did the initial. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, scared of giving DNA. Like that, right. just, yeah. <laughs> that just feels like, I feel like I'm giving DNA Take and like up. a paternity suit is coming next. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm kind of fucked up. But I, but I, I have looked into it. I, I'm, I'm considering You it. got some kids off the books. You know, Didn't you give DNA to make money many years ago at some point? Plasma. Did I give DNA? Oh, oh I gave plasma. plasma. That was plasma. That's also plasma. DNA though, just for Ooh. the record. I gave plasma. Yeah, shit was real. It was a rough time. Uh, but I, you know, but I got it back. You know, I got my blood. <laughs> you got the TV back in Renner Center. <laughs> Shit was real. Bumping Usher's first album on my way to the clinic. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I did that test and uh, I found out, or they told me that both my parents were from Sierra Leone. Oh wow! But I'm a, I'm gonna do Skip Gates as one. Uh, he had a show on PBS. Is I guess that what find, his friends call him? Roots. Henry Louis Gates? Henry Skip. Wow. Okay. Lewis. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's him. Skip late. Yeah. Or the point early. is for us to just kind of at least have some track. I mean, none of us are, you know, pure blood from Africa. There were a lot of different places that kind of were mentioned in my, um, my pie chart. Because there's like a pie chart that they give you and you kind of look. And then you can determine like where you want to go from there with it like say you decide you want to go back to that village what's the truth what's what is what truth will you find there will you find the village that you were originally from a lot of those places a lot of the places that we would go they've now adopted the idea of being modernized and being colonized so so english is now applied the true tongue of the place is not there so i'm if anything i'm hoping that i'll go back there and there'll be some facial features that i could see of you know potential people but for the most part they also too have been mixed so many times that they're not the original right it's been cut well i I strongly recommend yeah your race is not too pure you need to cut it (laughs) 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 no i i I know this way too wide you need to cut it I strongly recommend oh. that you contact Henry Louis Gates because, like the level, the the, the thorough level of research they do, yeah. you know, I'm gonna like for those that don't know, like uh, I guess for four or five seasons they were doing like all the black celebrities because of course you know you, you're gonna get a glorious story out of that, uh, but then when they did the Afflecks, once they started doing white people. Um, Henry said that we're going to have to Today, tell you the truth the of slave master. Of, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. And it was just that uh, Ben Affleck's and Casey Affleck's family. They came from a lineage of like some probably the meanest slave owners on yeah, record. They, was, they ran Candyland for real, and they was the real Candyland. You know, it was like you know they didn't want that information getting out, and then controversy happened. So Skip just just like, well, I'm canceling the show. Then if you guys are going to censor me and. Uh, 
you know, PBS didn't want to broadcast that episode. So let's, let's now, talk, now it's back. Let's talk about the fact that technology has now allowed us to investigate our own oh, lineage. And dude, that's good. You know what I'm saying? Because schools, schools, back when I was in high school or middle school or elementary school, we were immigrants in the books. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's still are in if some. that still are now, but I'm, but I'm saying like the the gross perpetuation of what has gone on in this country has just continued to just cycle and to the, to the point where it's like you can't even really get an education about who you are. You can't. Who's going to talk to you? Oh, we should talk about it during Black History Month. Well, why the fuck should we relegate our entire history to a fucking a month. month? You serious? Yeah, no, no. Like, how about, how, about, how about we take the time to get the information ourselves or either at least do some investigation along the lines of even just giving people an idea of, of what their lineage is? Who knows? It might, it might or might not be true, but the point is it's, it's information. And I, I'm how happy. How you feel when you found out? I'm happy that somebody decided to do that, but why is it that we— as black people didn't come together and figure the shit out by ourselves. Because and I mean, say and say, listen, let, let's put let's put this money together to begin. Like, let's do a collective, right? We we'll go around. You'll go to any motherfucking church in the world, and there's a collection plate there to keep that establishment going. Fund. But yeah. we don't figure out a fund for ourselves to begin to even understand our lineage and, and begin to like build ourselves up, build our esteem. Well, that's up. that's why I asked you. How did you feel when you got the information back? Of I who felt you great. Were? I felt great. Did, Enough was to there know. a release like, oh, I came from somewhere? Because I don't think people understand the fact that, That's what I was about to say. I don't think people... In, you can't I, make was, a, I was overwhelmed with how emotion. real it is. You know yeah, I was overwhelmed with emotion because I grew up in a time period where if you called me African... African booty scratcher. I that beat, was like, yeah. Like you get that the ass with. Not really. So, no, 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 I'm just saying that. I In the for, early for, 70s, when you called somebody African, like on the playground... I got to think hip-hop, though, because hip-hop made me appreciate Africa. That's because you were the, born. What year were you? I born? was born seventy eight. So in the eighties, see that five year gap. <laughs> that five year gap. I was born in seventy one. The medallion made a difference. Yeah, that medallion, medallion made a yeah. difference yeah. too. See, me being born in seventy one and being of age at nine in like eighty eighty one. Yeah, that's how ashamed we were to even be called that because. But you know, you you became of age at eight or nine in eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven. Well, by that time, they were manipulating your mind. To celebrate everything but who you were, right? But I'm just saying that those seven years between you and I of the '70s, that, that, that's a generation different of of thinking. Yeah. Whereas you know, but everything you become you, of age when Public Enemy is like. But did you travel to Africa when you were that age? No. Did you see pictures of Africa when you were when you were we that age? We did, but I they saw, were like but the poverty. I thought it'd be all the world. That's you my think point. Right. 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 I'm, so my point is. You were being manipulated. You know this. I'm just, I ain't, I ain't telling you nothing. It's rhetorical. But I'm just saying, like, t- to be perfectly honest with you, it was hip-hop that basically decided to use that as a form. And it, ta- it spoke to us. Was it relevant, you know, enough to be like, all right, we're going to lift up from this and continue to keep it going? No, they, y'all were, they were courageous as hell to even have the conversation. Now, what happened after that was... Okay, we can continue to talk about Africa and talk about the things that are going to lift us up and talk about being connect, you know, connected as a community. Then it was drugs. Then it was the opulence of drugs. Then it was the disconnect from anything that had anything to do with being smart at all. So now, here we are. And then some of our so, artists that came from that era, like the whole, even with the whole collective of Daylight and everybody else, like people got older. They got into making money and brands well, and things like that too. So As, as we have so clearly noticed within our generation that we don't live long enough 
in order to celebrate what we started fighting for. The most of the most of the people who were advocating before they got official jobs. So now they're inside. Government jobs. They got they got government <laughs> jobs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. DC and, style. And they trying to survive. And then whatever the hell they got. They trying to hold on to, so it's like they can't go too deep, and then they realize, oh man, this I'm, is all I've a, become the thing that this, I was once. Fighting. This is a trap, which is the not to not for nothing, but that was the argument with some of the public in the Grammys versus Golden Globes because it was like, oh, we show we is quiet, we got to protect our brand, but meanwhile, it was at the other one, it was like, ah, mm-hmm. but I'm just, it's just interesting in that way, very interesting, protecting. If you want to talk about is, that, I mean, I'm just if you want to talk about it, being I don't as, mind. Being as though you're you're an Atlanta native. Okay, as we get further into your story, I'm I'm curious as to how your your current mind state, your evolution, yeah, correlates with the culture that Atlanta has now as far as hip hop culture is concerned. But okay, great. Now I'm gonna sound like the cliche. But I wanna start back in the yeah. beginning. <laughs> Let's go back. <laughs> We're going to take you way back. So were Let's you get born... back to the hits. Were you? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no. We go deep, bro. We... No, let's go. So you were born in Atlanta, Georgia? I was born in Dallas, Texas. Really? I was born in Dallas, Texas. Fort Worth, yes. Fort Worth, Texas. Which is Dallas, oh, Dallas. Dallas. Texas zone, Usher, Raymond the Fourth. Yeah. How long did you live in Dallas? A year. It don't count. You... I mean, I, that's why a lot of people were born in so you France, were, you and then were, they <laughs> actually went to you know, military brats. But my father and my mother, um, they they left Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where I would ultimately end up. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where I was actually from. But um, my mother and father went to Dallas, Texas, to really start, a, you know, to start a new life. He played basketball. She, you know. She was she played basketball as well, but she was an intelligent woman. Your mom played ball? Yeah, my mother played basketball, yeah. I and, mean, in a college way, like, oh, I know nah, how to nah, play ball. Or they, like... n- neither of them made it to college because they had me. <laughs> okay. So they kinda, that kind of was the rude awakening for both of them. High school? Uh, high school. Yeah, for them? My, okay. My, my father would have went on to have played basketball. He was an incredible basketball player. Okay. Um, noteworthy to this day. Like, everybody still remember Erky. That was his name. But- um. They moved to uh, Dallas. They had me. Um, relationship was obviously, you know, not able to survive. And uh, they broke up. They broke up. They, she brought me back to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And that's where I'm from. Okay. Yeah. Uh, were any of them musically inclined or was just a matter of just playing you a whole bunch of stuff in the house? And I think my mother is the person who's most responsible for introducing, him, introducing me to music. But after I met my father... I heard him, and I realized, I realized he had a voice. He was um, a man of conviction, but not – he couldn't get his shit together. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like he spent most of my childhood high and a substance abuser. And he never was around, never anything, never no connection, nothing, until I think I was like maybe 13 or 14 years old that I really make a connection with him where I could see him in a positive light. He was a pastor for like – that time that summer okay and then he disappeared again <laughs> but um which is mo- which is the case so that that's another story, that's story yeah. about we talking about history we're talking about africa and the idea what that was but also two fathers of that time mm-hmm. like most of the people my peers that i talked to they felt you know some of the same reality and then for those who didn't you know they became kind of the, the reference like i was one of those kids who hung out with my friends 
to see how you know that his re, his relationship was with his father as an idea what, what was I, supposed yeah, to be. yeah or either it was a Cosby show or something like that or Fresh Prince of Bel Air it kind of so who echoed. was your father figure at least between like up to ten who was the guy you could talk to about mm, my grandfather I had a lot of uncles so my uncle Daryl my uncle Bruce. Michael Gary, he lived in um, D.C. I didn't really talk to him that much. But, um, these are your mother's siblings? These are my mother's brothers. Okay. But Bruce, Daryl, uh, O'Neill. I never met my grandfather, which I felt was, you know, I, I, looking at pictures of him, you knew. His name was John Henry. That's <laughs> a hard black name. Whoa. Yeah. Hard. Yeah, he, yeah, he's real. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, <That> is. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I you know, I, I didn't really... I ain't, I ain't have a reference. I just kind of looked around, and it was a collective of people that kind of just invested into me because they realized I didn't have a dad either. And, I mean, I turned out pretty much, you know, all right, but, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like I was pulling from the source. I was actually pulling from the lack thereof. So not having a dad made it, like, a task for me to, you know, know to be in my child's life to be there for them to understand who they are and i'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this around just so you understand mm-hmm. part of the reason one of the reasons why 23 and me was so important is there was a lot of things that were kind of like egging me on like about not knowing who i was and not and us not knowing you know you know being introduced when i went over this overseas to different you know types of spirituality yoruba um, um, Santeria and all these other things that I just saw it was just around. I was like, man, it's crazy. So all these people who migrated from Africa to these neighboring islands, they preserved the idea of what our our original spirituality was or our connection to spirituality was. So I went to school and they and they wanted to do a lineage, like they wanted our kids to g- offer something of a, from a place that they were from. So you have kids who were from Italy. You have kids who were from all these. You know, what school was this? This is a school in Atlanta. Okay, I don't want to. Dis- I don't want to disclose. Did they not it, know? That's so interesting. Like they just- no, they no, but they but okay. So this is not a public school. It's a private school, and it's for all the right reasons, right? Right. And when I asked my son where he was from, he said, "I'm from Atlanta. Right. I'm from Georgia." I was like, "Actually, son, you're not from Georgia. Yeah, I am. I'm from Africa. No, I ain't from Africa." And that was the beginning. And it was like, you know what? This matters. This matters. And I got I got I gotta go ahead and go through with this. And I've been talking about it. And I went ahead, they did the swab and went through the whole process of giving him like and that 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 was just like the I gotta get this right. So what's his mentality now? Does he have a deeper understanding? He How has old a, is he? He now? has a, he's eight. Now? He has a deeper understanding. And even even though he does, we actually, you know, we put to his, the following year, because they have it every year, um, we put together um, his thing. And there was all these things that, you know, they made from West Africa or Mali, which is where we, we kind of claim. But right. he still wanted to bring macaroni and cheese to school. <laughs> well, that's part of it, though. That's, that's part of it, though. Yeah. That's the African American And, he, and by the way, he showed it to me. He said, nah, this is actually something yeah. that was made there. I was like, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Teaching you. Back in yeah, That's man. dope. <laughs> so at what point are you finding your your voice, your your actual singing voice? Like were you raised in the church or was it It was my mother. My mother, she was a you know, she was a youth director of her choir okay. in church. So um outside of listening to what was on the radio and you know, just the same the same way as, you know, y'all had ciphers in hip hop or either was had bands and shit like that, right? We had ciphers to a singing. 
So if you came to school and you couldn't sing like what was on the radio, then you was kind of whack. You know what I'm saying? So I so I would listen to the radio and I'd listen to how people were singing and what that reaction was. And then, you know, I was listening to my mother preparing her, you know, whatever she had to do for, uh, to teach her students. And I asked, I said, you know, can I be in your, you know, choir? She was like, you can be in my choir, but if you act up, I'm going to kick you out. So don't think that I'm going to give you any, like, I'm going to lay off you just because, you know, you my son. Of course, I got kicked out of choir about two, three times, but, you know, um, she let me do my solo, you know what I mean, every so often. <laughs> uh, one uh, question, oh, you talk about your singing, a uh, question, your first vocal coach. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she had breakdown, like, certain songs, and you have to learn the harmonies, and it was, like, really advanced yeah. stuff. Talk about that. All right, so... um. She made me listen to Take Six. Holy yes. shit. And she would say... How how old are you at, at this point? Um, I'm about... Well, the first Take Six man. record came out in that was 96. It was 88. 88, yeah. So I'm 14. 80. Okay. I'm 14. And I mean, I didn't have a vocal coach as an artist until I was signed, mm-hmm. right? That's when it really started. But before, I didn't really need one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, I don't think I was perfect, but... Singing all the time, repetition basically began to pe- prepare me for it. And anything that was on the radio, I would try to beat it. So if I could sing better than it or either ad lib in between little spots mm-hmm. to kind of make it my own, I'd do that. But I would sing it to the tune, like exactly the way that it was. Gotcha. See, you know what? I have a theory about Usher, which is there was, there was, a, I think this is when um, the You Make Me Wanna video came out. Mm. And we was like, we were in the studio recording, and the video came on the monitor, like the volume was down, whatever. And uh, my manager, Rich, uh, said that, you know, what you're watching is, he, he said that Usher was the, 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 the beneficiary of the first of the, the, what I call the VCR generation. And I was trying to figure out what he meant. And he was like, you see the mechanical way he's dancing? And I was, if you remember the the way, yeah, like yeah. how mechanical the dancing was, and you make me wanna. He was basically explaining to me that Usher grew up in, yeah. like, did Mo? That's what I always wanted to ask. Did Motown Twenty Five have an effect on you? Did you see it the first time it came out? So I mean, it came on in '83. So I guess you were like five or six. Like, did that performance mean anything to you? Because basically, what he was trying to say was that. In your formative years of getting entertainment, you had a VCR to keep rewinding and watching over because it was more important to my cousins and my older my, trickle down. Like yeah. it wasn't a first thing with you. With nah, it wasn't. It but I would have never guessed that in a skillion years. Well, everybody loved Michael Jackson, but that was that was just off of you know, off the wall and all that. So we, be, I, I, I could appreciate off the wall a little bit later in my life. And he wasn't really the person who influenced me. Michael Jackson overall was as a presence because he was the biggest, right? But it was guys like Bobby Brown that connected <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, ne- okay. You know what I'm saying? And yes, looking back at that, it was special to me, but it was like, I can't, I can't obtain that. I can't reach that. That's not that that doesn't necessarily I, I can 
emulated. I love Thriller. I was there with everybody watching Thriller, mm-hmm. right? And that that phase, yes, everybody was completely crazy, fanatic over Michael Jackson. But even still, I was trying. I was trying. I tried to emulate what I knew I was, and I was more of a street dancer and a singer. And I listened to New Edition, Bobby Brown, and in that world. Well, you know I'm just, what I'm saying? Just saying from the fact that. Troop. No, I'm just saying that you, none of your experiences are firsthand church, you know, uh, talent shows. Yeah. Yes. That I started in the talent show. Well, no, no, well, I just meant for, in terms of, of like radio plays a big part of, of, yep. of your experiences. Uh-huh. Whereas, like a lot of the, the people that traditionally start, my shit was Donnie Simpson. Oh, talk about wow. it! Talk you know what I'm saying? It. So it's like that was yes. my generation, right? I'm Sherry from that. Carter. I'm from yeah, Sherry Carter and, and uh, Donnie Simpson. That was my generation, and that's basically how I made the connection. But dance, by, by the but way, was it a thing like, "Mom, I want to sing," and all this thing, or was it just like, "Oh yeah, I could do that. I can dance." But I mean, were you thinking like eleven? That's what I want to be when I grow up. Like It was Michael that made me feel like that's what I want to do. It was Bobby Brown that made me feel like that's what I can do. So Bobby Brown was more accessible to you. Right. Everybody. So yeah. he's your hero. Yeah. Wow. Damn, now I want to get your feelings on the new edition movie. <laughs> <laughs> um. So at what point are you... I mean, at what point does this become a thing where you you become serious about it? Because you you the first group was when you were like eleven, right? Eleven mm-hmm. or twelve? I was twelve. Well, talk about that experience. So, um, there was a they were a youth anti uh, they were anti youth drug group who came to high schools to talk about drug abuse, um, gang violence, and stuff like that, right? And I, this is back in the time when I was in like in talent shows, just trying to find my way. So if I wasn't singing in church, I was singing, you know, in the yard, you know, in my neighborhood. You know, my cousin he used to dance, so he would battle and stuff. He had me come in like like the little kid from you know Beach Street uh, um, and breaking, mm-hmm. and I'd be like the special guest, the cat who would come in and just slaughter because you know no one expected you and you right. Just- <laughs> So it's I was like three card Molly, yeah, the dancer yeah. version. There you go, <laughs> like the random person in the crowd. Okay, but um, yeah, it was, it was um, it was it was it was more Bobby man. It was more Bobby Brown than anything. But finding my way to my voice, it was just kind of trial and error. Listen to that damn radio and then watching those videos, and then I met this manager by the name of Daryl Wheeler. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I really want you to be in. The, I want you to you know, audition for the group. And um, he said, I want you to come to the show. And we just so happened to be in the talent show, me and another cat, uh, another two cats. And the talent show was over and then they were to perform. So while they started their gig, I was in the back of the room just kind of looking, you know, looking. And I'm and I'm watching all these people go crazy over these guys. So. I just got up, ran to the middle of the floor, like ran all the way down the, the aisle and just started dancing uh-uh. in, in the middle of their shit. He <laughs> <laughs> just jacked through. Yeah, I mean, but that was it was like I wanted it. I wanted to I wanted to be a part of it and him leaving that little door open, which it was my it was my best friend named Demikas who introduced me to Daryl. Um 
at uh, in our auditorium at at my um my elementary school or middle school something like that no elementary school uh-huh. um but after that man i just kept i just kept you know going wherever they were they had a you know performance downtown you know eventually they start having rehearsals in the gymnasium in the neighborhood so i started coming in and just kind of trying look looking at what they were doing to try to figure out what their dance steps and things were and i would just sing i would just i used to sing um uh ready or not after 7 mm. remember that right remember yeah, that right ready or not. not and I was like, you know, just use my use my talent. Let me figure out how to get in. Whatever I got to do, they run heels and have all these drills that they would do, you know, to kind of prepare themselves and, and make themselves better performers, so they could, you know, not so they wouldn't be tired on stage or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I did it. I was like, all right, I'll do all of that. That that's how what old I were do. they? Um, I think the oldest oldest guy in it, Anthony Bird, was um, he had to be like sixteen or seventeen. Maybe 17. It's, uh, there was three other guys, Adrian, Red, and another guy by the name of Chocolate. So they were all in this, we were in this group together. And um, it wasn't really going because the, the reality was they were built to be what they were. And you were meant to be solo. No, it, oh. it, it didn't ha- that didn't happen until a little bit later. Okay. Actually, it was, I'll tell you, my mother was the reason that it happened. <laughs> but we then became a real group and we went to Forsyth County and, um, in Florida and we signed with this record company Foresight Records and we started you know building songs so I had this song Dream Girl that was the first record that I ever had in that group so then it gave me like a voice because otherwise I was just trailing trailing behind playing or dancing to the records and shit that they had Um, and every so often I'd kind of you know up try to upstage somebody else through just doing riffs and shit like that but um, my mother was like you're not really getting the you know, I'm like my son's not getting the benefit because he's never on stage. You keep putting him in, putting him in the back, and you know she just wasn't happy. You know, so he tried to do whatever he could. Eventually, I you know I left the group. She wanted me to get out of the group. Of course, I didn't want to get out of. The group. I actually ran away. It's crazy shit ever. I ran ran, ran I, away from from. Crib. I ran away oh. from the crib. <laughs> I, I, you ever threaten to run away from home but never do it? <laughs> I tried to run away from home. I never bro. threatened it. It's, oh, black kids don't I run think, away from I, home? I think we all do. You threaten, but. Or you get your ass beat when you come back yeah, home. Yeah, because like, to our black parents, they'd be like, good, nigga, go. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> like, They'll call that black. He's like, leave your bag here because all that shit in there is mine. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Wait, time out. Bill, Steve, y'all ever run away no, from home? nothing to run away from. My sister did. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I know Bill got a runaway story. My sister ran away from home like all the time. So. And you'll be and like, she'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, and I'm like, bitches are crazy. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> come on. So, what year was that? How old were you when you ran away? I Eight. mean, I was 12, oh, 13. So. And this is around the time that my mother had moved me to Atlanta. And I was like, you know, you, you destroyed my world, man. This is everything to me. Please and tell just me what your mother said. Oh, I just look forward to it. She was like, I hear you. Oh. Okay. She's like, but she said, you're not going to go where you want to go in this group. So I'm going to, I promise you, I'm going to put you in every situation that I can to be able to help you to show you that you're worth it, that you are a solo artist. So she started me entering me into talent shows, auditioned for the Apollo, auditioned for Star Search. I got into a talent search, a talent show by the name of um, um, was Atlanta Talent Search in Atlanta. Um, I was recognized by L.A. Reed's brother, Brian Reed, who um, then introduced me to L- L.A. A guy by the name of A.J. Alexander, he was kind of all in the middle of this shit, uh, who actually was a bodyguard for Bobby Brown. So Bobby Brown, oh, wow. Damn, he Bobby, saw me. 
Brown's bodyguard situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's serious. Suge Knight. Suge Knight. Yeah. (laughs) Alexander. Yeah. So, wait, why why did she move to Atlanta from Chattanooga? She moved because just, you know, she wanted more, man. She wanted more out of her life. What was in Chattanooga? Like, what was your observations of Chattanooga? Was there? I mean, it's not much different now than it was then in terms of opportunity for, you know, advancement. Like, it's very, there's, if you have the confidence that comes from elsewhere, you'll wander into other areas. But if you don't, black people stay away from white people. And there's a black side of town damn near and a white side of town or a progressive side of town. Right. And whenever I'm there, I kind of go between the both. And I'm like, yo, have y'all ever been over there? Like, no, no, nigga, we don't go over there. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you, have you, you've returned to Chattanooga to do shows since? No, no, no. I've returned to Chattanooga to do, do you know, philanthropic work. You have a street named after stuff. you, right? Yeah. yeah. Is, what area is that in? It's in front of the school that I was telling you about, Dalewood. Okay. It's like it's like right down, um, uh, right in front of it. Now I want to know if he had his Chris Rock sign moment. Or <laughs> y'all need home of Chattanooga. Home of Usher Raymond. The fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So she went to Atlanta just to get you a better opportunity, wasn't she? She went to Atlanta because it offered something better for her. My stepfather at the time, mm-hmm. he worked for this... Um, trucking company and it was better for him to be there and also too it was an opportunity for her to be able to move forward they so were how old were you when you moved to atlanta i was uh 11 11 12 so i was kind of going back and forth from chattanooga to atlanta working with the group and uh when we worked on that album you know it's, it's you know i was kind of just moving wherever i could man because i i at the age of eight that's when i decided what i was going to do i had this vision and from that vision, it was like, okay, I want to be an entertainer. I want to I wanna be on stages. I want to perform for people. And that's what I want to do. I don't want to play football. I know all y'all play football and basketball and ba- uh, baseball because my entire family is comprised of like all-star athletes. My uncle played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, my, my cousin, he played at Duke. It was like all these guys that kind of gave me some kind of idea where I wanted to go. And I was like, nah, that's not me. I want to. I want to perform. I want to entertain. But how proud must they have been when you did the Cavaliers move? Because that's like the perfect combination. Like they must have been all. That's great. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool, right? Yeah. Like you, you even you did it either way. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, oddly enough, man. You know, once my grandmother passed, we don't really get together the way we used to, and I wish that we did more. But everybody's grown up. Either they have kids. There's some of them back in Chattanooga. Some of them moved to other, you know, states. Some people got married. You know, some people live in Atlanta. Some people, you know, move and move to D.C. But um, we don't talk as much as we used to. Yeah. Change it. Yeah, I gotta work on that. Mm-hmm. I gotta work on that. Yeah, so, Big Mama's the one that keeps the family together. Always, when man. When she goes, it's... Nah, I yeah. it's you can't tough. go all the way to West Africa and not go to Chattanooga. You know what I mean? Well, you got to get there somehow, right? <laughs> got to pick up a few people on your way. Listen, black representation is essential. If I hadn't seen and heard certain black women in radio, I wouldn't be in radio. Women like Robin Breeden, Candy Shannon, Michelle Wright, Deanna Williams. Women... 
owning radio stations like Kathy Hughes. Listen, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. Word. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Each episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Smurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I feel silly. Because as much traveling as I do, and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa, mind blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. So... Okay, so by the time you're 11, it's like the 90s, early 90s, 91, right. 92, I guess. Right. Um, by this point, I mean, Atlanta's officially put its stamp on being a, a black music mecca. I mean, is that fact lost on you or is that something you're not thinking about? Like, oh, this could be a better opportunity for me because no, my, it was a, a part of my mother's here. plan. It was a part of my mother's plan. She even mentioned, she says, you know, that L.A. Reed and Babyface, you know, they just started a record label in Atlanta. And, you know, I hear that, you know, you could get, you know, if we put you in talent shows, you can get recognized. So um, she put me in this. There was this 
Brothers of Distinction, I think was the name of the, was the name of the group that was putting together this thing. And somehow L.A. Reed's name was attached to it or Bryant Reed's name was attached to it. And that's, I'm telling you, that's why I made a connection. But it was really A.J. A.J. Alexander, that's the dude who discovered me, man. Out of all the people mm. who could claim and say, you know, I've, I found him, I saw him first. That was a dude who, who really recognized my talent and was like, yo, let, work with me. He, he, man, this dude took me everywhere, man. This dude took me to meet Bobby for the first time. I thought I was going to be Bobby Brown's artist. That didn't happen. We I said, it. thank God. You almost in the Bobby Brown. He's almost on the one. one. <laughs> oh, you. I, may, I, I may have dodged a bullet. No point in yeah. time. Oh, no, you definitely did. Yeah, but uh, also, too, man, and I could remember way back, he'd had me in the parking lot of um, 112. Uh, Keith Sweat coming out I had to perform for him right there In the middle of the parking lot Dallas, Austin In the parking lot Jermaine Dupree All of these people Like just trying to get Parking lot pimping Yeah That was on another level Where is AJ now? So he, is he still He's in He's in Atlanta He goes in between Miami And uh, in Atlanta Okay cool Yeah So you were he's allowed a photo- He's a photographer now man Oh that's dope Yeah So you were allowed Out after hours To sort of Case these spots and and perform and without a doubt, it, I was not the kid that you told no, because I wouldn't accept it. I'd say okay if you don't want me, if you don't want me to do it, I'm doing it. Guess what else? You're still the kid that can't be told. <laughs> <laughs> I was shy. <laughs> you're, you're, your favorite least word is no. <laughs> like, for those for those that need context. You know, Usher and the Roots are working together now. So, whenever I want Usher to do something, I now have to present it in a positive context, just so he can say no. And that could be like, Whew. but I guess admit that now. I gotta go back. <laughs> you gotta find another Thanks. strategy. <laughs> Thank you. Now I know what you're doing. No. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, Usher, you're right. We should we should do a uh, 12 minute version of you got a bad. You're right. You're so right. You are so right, man. Yo, but this must have been a really hard job for your mom because like your mom evolved into like super manager. Like she was like Matthew Knowles before Matthew Knowles, and at the same time, she had to keep you confident as an artist but humble as a man. How? Why did y'all? Yeah, like, I want to know what kept you out of trouble. Because confident. say that again. I said confident as an artist, but kind of like humble as a man, like not not a not a That's jerk. Like a deodorant not... commercial. <laughs> All right, I should... <laughs> Basically, saying confident as an artist. Basically, saying like not a not a, a dickhead. Not because as not we're sitting here talking to you, and I've seen we throughout the years, you're not a dickhead. Like you're a very humble individual. But like Amir just said, you know what you want. You won't say no. Yeah. But you know, it's so a kind. fine line. Uh, the, con- the confidence was. <laughs> The confidence came from me, right? Okay. And it came from the security of having someone who I knew had my back, okay. which was my mom. So as long as she was able to focus on the business, I could focus on the art and the, the, the creative part of it, right? Which made it all right. And then the rest of it was like, I just never wanted to be in some shit that I felt like I, that I couldn't control. You know what I'm saying? I never wanted, and so many people were getting caught out there. So those references was like, I'm not, I can't let none of that shit be the reason that I don't make it to where I want to be. And I'm, and I'm definitely not going to let, you know, I'm not going to, and I had so many little hills to climb. Like I lost my voice as soon as I got signed. Like, imagine that, right? When you signed the first deal? When I signed, when I signed the deal to LaFace Records, I lost my voice. For how long? I lost my voice. Like puberty or like, Oh my, like puberty, DOC, 
puberty oh, lost my way for about mm, two months. It was like that. And you didn't know what your future was. And I didn't was. know what the hell was getting ready to go on. The label was talking about dropping me. Before or after had, Poetic Justice? This was after Poetic after Justice. After Call Me I couldn't perform the record. They put the record on. Yeah, we never really saw had it. A, yeah, they had a, a, um, a, a showcase for me, and I couldn't perform the record at all. Puff, Puffy was there. I think they were entertaining him uh, him being my um, my executive producer at the time. But, um, yeah, man, it just it went away. What was it? Wow. Yeah. Okay, because now I, think, I have. Wait, can I? I know what you're gonna say. I know. I know. Sabotage. Shut up, man. <laughs> That's his favorite theory for everything. No, but I'm saying like black people rarely delve into psychological matters or whatever. Like I know that me personally, for anything that I'm trying to overcome, you know, and something happens, like an injury or something, it's. You know, I'm sometimes I think like, okay, how do you really feel? Are you scared this moment? Whatever. Like the the mind does have a way of crrippling you in while you're facing like, an like unknown psychosomatic kind of exactly. Like, okay. Now, in theory, was it eight weeks laryngitis or did you feel afraid? In theory, what do you think? In theory, did I feel afraid? I felt like it was over. And I felt like, okay, if I just, I mean, I, I, I did what I knew to do at the time, which was pray. So I was like, But did you I, feel it was psychosomatic? Yeah, well, I, like I, I subconsciously. No, I didn't, I didn't sabotage myself. It wasn't fear or something like that. No, it, I, you mean in terms of just having to go through that at that moment? Because sometimes your body can do no. things. I had, I, no, it had nothing to do with that. I was working my ass off, and I wanted it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's an un, there's an artist that I can't name. Right. That it's always the same artist. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured it out. Everybody okay, in the room the, can know but me. That's crazy. No, it's not that artist. <laughs> it's not. It's not the fourth letter of the alphabet. Yeah. No. It's, hell no. It, it's you know. Okay. Yeah. Because that's always him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I keep dragging him under the bus. No. Unnamed. There was okay. There was there was an artist that uh, we were working with, and um, a situation happened. Oh God. I love okay. these. These are so good. Okay. A situation <laughs> happened in which. Let's play guess. There. Uh, you always get so frustrated when you're explaining these. I know, because I'm not... Like, I'm, how ambiguous can you I'm be? I'm not trying to be gossipy or ride somebody on the bus, but I think this is a classic case of it. Their teeth started to fall out. Whoa. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Now, it wasn't like, oh, they got in a... Nah. Like, literally, I, no. their teeth started to fall out. There's a pressure that comes with... No. No, there is a pressure. You're right. Okay, so now I'll follow you with what you're saying, but I had a different destiny, and... I was connected to it. And the moment that I decided that that was what I was going to do, I wouldn't let anything come in between me and that. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're right. There are tons of people who sabotage themselves, who got caught up on, you know, in drinking and then eventually, you know, moved on, upgraded to, you know, heroin. Yeah, but I don't even think there's a thing like, okay, a big moment's about to happen for me tomorrow. Let my teeth fall out right now. Or, you know, but I do believe that subconsciously we are able to create obstacles without even purposely wanting to do that yeah which yeah how, uh, well, wait 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 first of all how old was he she she 
You know the story, Elijah? I mean, I'm putting some things together. Oh, <laughs> damn. Uh-oh. Um, Mid-20s. So that's far more advanced than a child. You know what I'm saying? So the reality of probably the disappointment that led up to that moment had everything to do with the pressure that was going on with her. So like, so when you, so you lost, so you cut, y'all cut, uh, call me a Mac, and then you lost your voice. Because that was, that was what, 93? 93. 90, yeah, 93. That was 93. So How then, did you get on that soundtrack? Because that wasn't even LaFace related. It was. No, L.A. Reed and Babyface, they actually. I thought that was on Epic. Was Epic it was on Epic, but yeah, like Epic. TLC was on the soundtrack too, yeah. so. Oh, okay. I mean, but was that a LaFace slash Epic thing or was it It was just... an L.A. Reed and Babyface thing, I think. I think they had something to do with the, like, organizing of the, the album. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. They didn't produce all of the songs, like Boomerang and all that shit. But, um, yeah, man, that was, that was kind of like my lunch. But at the rate that I was working my voice, I mean, I had sang till I actually, you know, lost my voice plenty of times. But this time when I woke up the next day, that shit just didn't come back. It was, Damn. So the next day came, and then the weekend was there. And then it was the next week. I'm like, what's going on? How did you feel? I mean, I felt like my window of opportunity was closing, and I felt like, okay. What were people saying around you at that point? Like, um, Tisk, tisk. Yeah, they no were one like, says tisk, tisk, but they they were like, okay, well, what what's gonna happen now? Because you know, this kid, he's lost his voice and he can't perform this song. So we'll just kind of ride it out with him. You know, I I signed a contract with him, so at least I had the you know the length of the deal. You know what I'm saying? But I, at that point, the fear of man, they're not gonna put any more money into me if I don't get if I don't do my part. So I had to do whatever I could. To try to fix or remedy the the problem, and this was before you even started recording the first Matt, album. I had I had well, I went through a stint where I worked with the, the Dungeon Family, mm-hmm. and I worked with these producers out of Detroit by the name of Tim and Bob. That's when I oh lost my, my god, voice. oh wow, okay, so, Tim and Bob were from the D. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that. No, I'm sorry, not Tim and Bob. Tim and Ted. Tim and Bob are from Peoria. Oh, Tim and Ted, the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember them. So they're from they the, the characters. Yeah, they were on the the. No, boy, the, nah, that was Troy Taylor. Oh, was, Troy yeah, Taylor. Yeah, he's mixing shit all up in this. Yeah. <laughs> rabbit hole. Tim and Ted and Bill and Ted. They had <laughs> next adventure. <laughs> <laughs> the first album. Fake news. But anyway, Tim and Ted. They worked on a couple of records with me, and I lost my voice, man, and I just. I, it just went away, and I had to figure that shit out. So now I'm dealing with the fact that the label's getting ready to drop me, and, and Puff was like, nah, y'all can't do this kid like that. Let me take him to New York. So he took me. He started put, he put me with uh, vocal coaches out here to try to, you know, kind of change the direction of it. And then his idea wasn't about me being this perfect singer, even though I had, like, you know, Kenny from in, uh, Intro and yeah. um, Missy and... I mean, like, great singers, Faith Evans, all these great singers around me, you know, and they were supporting me, too. Like, now nah, you're going to be all right. Just keep going. I'll be sure. He worked on my first album. Aloysius. Yeah. Um, so, wait. So, Puffy took an interest in your career, even though you weren't signed to Bad Boy or his management company? I mean, the, the, okay, so the reality of how the business works is odd, right? So, if you have an artist like me, uh-huh. there's an open budget. <laughs> and if you're attempting to establish a record company, that damn near gives you free range to do whatever you want to do during them sessions. So, why you was talking so nasty? <laughs> oh, oh man! So I was not, but but by the way, a genuine relationship was bond was was built in that. But 
Don't get it fucked up. I knew what was going you on. What you was, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if Craig Mack is walking out of my walking out of my session, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, 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 Hey, but by the way, that was what it was in that time. That's the 90s, you know what I'm saying? So talk so so about your budget played for uh, some bad boy stuff. Boy. Little biggie. <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> Little Craig. Wow. <laughs> so like, what was that like? Because from what I understand, from what I read before, that was like boot camp like for you. Like he had you in like, what was that shit like with Puff during that time? I mean, like, Yeah. To say the least. Did you move right. to New York by yourself or like to, your mom came with you? I moved to New York with my cousin. Mm-mm. And shortly after that, Puff was like, I got him. My cousin left and that's when. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, how old were you at this time? Around this time, I'm 15. Oh, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> 15 in New so York. So you're 15-year-old living with Puff. 94 with era Puff. Puff. Hey man, listen. What were your mother's <laughs> rules? What was her? Did she? What? I mean, thank God she raised a sensible child. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it was readily available. Whatever you wanted to do, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. And and for for the average kid, they would look at it like, "Yo, this is the greatest shit ever." But for me, man, I was a bit sheltered. You know what I'm saying? Like I really hadn't been exposed to sex and shit like that. Like. I was. I'm from the south. You know what I'm saying. I came in with a fucking ruffle uh, jacket on, looking like I was in Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, and Mark Pitts picked me up from the airport and was like, oh, "Yo, wow. we gonna we got you." You know what I'm saying. Here on out, we got to get this fucking jacket off you though. <laughs> <laughs> so you just wrong with the bad boy posse, like it was. Yeah, nothing. yeah, man. I, I was with you knew him. Biggie, you knew. Yep. Just, yep. Wow. So, how did he have you working? Like, what was the? I guess the boot camp. Like, what was that training regimen like? We take your budget. <laughs> Here's ready to die. No. <laughs> nah, but he but he had me in the studio with Devontae. I worked with I'll be sure. I worked with Kenny from um Intro. I worked with Damn, um, it's like R&B Heaven. It is. You gotta tell Eddie, us a story. Eddie I don't mean F. like a salacious story, but it's like no, because like Faith's backgrounds on that album, like she's was nuts. Oh my god! Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, man. What did Al teach? I, I'm yeah, I'm like yo, I got questions. What did Al teach you? We talking about like? whispers, you know what I'm saying? Whisper, like, oh man, you said that's one of your favorites. No, that's dude, my favorite. I ran, yeah, that was my favorite on that album. Whispers, Final Goodbye. Um, I'll show you. Love. I'll show, yeah. Um, because at the time, uh, think of you. We like think of you because that was uh, down there, Jones. Chucky. He flipped the um, the, the black the, who got the prop. Yeah. Well, Ronnie, like Ronnie, Ronnie Laws. Yeah, the Ronnie Laws. Um, so it was like I was like, oh, he's singing over the black moon shit. But um, but yeah, I that record because I was and I'm oblivious. I don't know none of, so know that, none of the that, shit they do. So that first album spoke shit, to you. I'm just I'm huh. That album spoke to you when you Dude, yeah. What me too? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, I get it. Y'all uh-huh. know R&B down. niggas. I love it. <laughs> see, but the, see, was, that's another generational thing between the two of you and me, mm-hmm. because again, I assume what were you seventy eight, seventy nine? Yeah, I'm, were you, I'm seventy eight. And Bill, seventy nine. Yeah, so again, that 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 difference, like pre seventy five, seventy one to seventy five cats, we have a chip on our shoulder about R and B. You know what I'm saying? So we're not that receptive. Like even when I met D'Angelo, I was like dismissive, like R and B cat, whatever. I mean, I was just a Nazi that way. So I would have been more dismissive to it. 
Whereas now, you we guys was, were of we age. We hip hop spooled out on the R&B tip with a pop feel to it. Doing the dance so we rolling with it. Because y'all were 16 when it came. <laughs> yeah. Y'all were open. And at the time, I mean, because I always thought it was strange that that record, uh, in hindsight, like it kind of, you know, people thought that he was, that you were too young to be singing. About, Yo, I was singing, singing, about singing mature shit. Yeah, but... Uh, but it was right it, in time with where we were developing, right? Exactly. Dude, that's that the type of shit that was going on. Bone yeah. record. That yeah. was my take <laughs> when it was time for All right, me give, me your give me a joint. Give me a joint. Can you get with it? Can you get with it? Whispers. Look, man, the run. Look, man, let me tell you something. The run. So if the roots. Love was here. Whispers. I love it when he goes You took my heart. Look, the mini waves. You took my heart. The mini weight. Come on, Crazy. man. That is phone bone gold. I'm taking my apron is on. I'm making the best cake right now. Oh, yes. yo, He's taking it, baby. Wait, let me man. turn this up real quick for you, babe. Let me turn this up. Oh, All right, top, and you make cakes. You know and I hell yo's on my tape. Okay, right. if you're just joining us, <laughs> you got here at the right time. If, you, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Usher Raymond the Fourth and uh, Fonte's Phone Boom Classics <laughs> on his first record, which apparently, as a guy who studied all of his music, I I need to re- revisit. Yes. So if if you're in the audience watching the the Usher Roots, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the experience, experience, yeah, what song you like? Yo, that's my y'all gotta do this one. Um They're they're gonna determine the last two songs. Something off the, I mean something off the first record. <laughs> I mean, he already like, said no. one. Yeah, the many yeah. ways was I, I think that one was dope. Um uh what's I'm trying to think of another one that people would like that well because I'm trying to think of like songs that were like good, but now even now I think would be appreciated more. The many ways is just a, a gorgeous fucking song. Like I just I just think that's just a very well written song. All right, song. can I can I rock many all right. let's go. Hit the post. Hit the post. This is Questlove Supreme with Phone Boom Classic Number One by Usher Raymond the Fourth. That's right. It's going to make you say, "Uh." This is the many ways. You, you need to work on that some more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed, Bill. It's okay. All, types all of I ways. heard was Usher moaning anyway. Mm. I've seen you around my way a couple of times. You must have just moved around the way, right? I see all the fellas been pressing you for your number. I like to get to know you. So, um, maybe we can spend some time, you know what I'm saying, talking on the phone or something.
That was The Many Ways by Usher M and our special guest on Questlove Supreme. So are you are you one of those people that cringe when you hear your older material or that people salivating over stuff that you made 15 years ago? Like, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. What? So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so like hearing that record now is like, it's, it's, it's nice. Like, what are you thinking of when you... When, I mean, could have, like you could have spilled pizza on your shirt, and you're like, "Ah, oh, man, that's when I wore." You know, yeah. like what are you thinking of when you hear that? One that I had lost my voice because I can hear it. I'm like, "Damn, I was fighting trying to get to that shit." Work. Yeah. So what was it like when you finally got full control of your voice back and was like, "Oh, I can talk again." Oh shit. Yeah. Like, it was. It was actually after I left New York. When I left New York, then I began to. To slowly but surely get it, get Wait, it back. Wait, you came to New York to record this record. I recorded that. New- and I you didn't have your voice fully. Did not have my voice. So how long could you sing before the crack starts? The cracks in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, ladies and gentlemen, I have never done crack. <laughs> um, I think it, you know, because I started trying to promote the album. You know, what I'm saying I was. Is another tie that you guys, which will bring you the new edition. But I was being managed by Brooke Payne and, oh, wow. and, Whoa. and Jeff Dyson at the time. <laughs> Wait a minute. You are a Brooke Payne student? Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's, that's, yeah. That explains a lot, right? I wonder if that was during the break. Wait, when was that? No. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so now I start performing the records. But every, every time I hear them songs, I'm like, damn. That's just crazy, you know how 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 far that because you're living all of it, you know. And I, my voice has changed about five different times throughout the entire process. Can I tell you something funny that you don't know? Tell me. All right. So when I first signed to the first records, I wanted to do a album with Babyface and La Reed, right? I signed specifically for Why? that reason. Why? Because of End of the Road. Because of Bobby Brown, the hero that I my hero was right. produced by these two dudes, right? Okay. So you didn't see him as like uh, older cats? Older, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Bobby Brown, that's it. That's no, all no, I no, had not here. Bobby, but Still, LA and Face. Yeah, like, but yeah. he like, they made that music. They made all, that yeah. music, so that's all I knew. And I knew that Babyface was still doing it. L.A. Reed, I didn't know if he was in the studio. I didn't know that he had stopped completely producing. But I was like, as long as I can get a record by y'all. So L.A. Reed wanted Babyface to work on me. And they were going through, you know, a lot of drama at the time. They were kind of severing their ties or either he just didn't want, he wasn't comfortable in Atlanta. And by the way, we talked about this shit, so it's cool. I can just, I can tell you this, but it was it's kind of like private. But anyway, um, he got mad and he built an entire album with an artist that we know. Oh, yeah. And he built an entire album for me and he gave the entire album to that dude. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And this is, is okay. Now this is okay. Let's just the guessing hold game. On, hold on, hold right. on. So who yeah, got this is like a mirror moment. Hold on, hold on. Who got okay, mad? This is this is Babyface. Got Babyface mad. got mad. Babyface was upset and gave a whole album to somebody to someone else. And what year so is not this? Damian Dame. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> it's not Jermaine Jackson. That's awesome. Not Jermaine Jackson. It's only other one young guy. Period. In that time. What year? I'm saying. What year is this? Ninety. Ninety three. Ninety three. I can't even remember who else was around. On the face. I'll just tell you. On the face, he was. It was Tevin Campbell. Man, what? Oh, oh, I wanted to guess. Wow. I wanted to move. Oh, I wanted to move. You almost had Can We Talk? Oh, wow. That was my song. Oh, girl. Oh, oh shit. Oh, wow. Dang. Exclusive. It was just yeah. me and you? No, that was us. Nah, that was There's no. a song for your set list right there. Take it back, wow. son. Take oh. it, I'm reclaiming Can We Talk. Yeah. 
Take that song back. Can we talk? Okay, right. Yeah, don't Ooh. say goodbye, girl. Uh, always in my heart. Always in my heart. Damn, all those. Yep. He got mad. He was. They was. They was just. They was fighting. And then Puff and him. They had words or something like that. And then, you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> okay can I ask? He because he couldn't understand. Like, why? Why wouldn't you do? Why would you give an album like that? To to this dude, you know what I'm saying? Like you got your own artist, and they was having their shit. So he was like, "All right, I'll do his album." You know what I'm saying? Wow. All right. Can I ask? Okay. <laughs> so wait, did no, you because record, I wait, hold on, wait, hold on. Did you record the songs and then like just no? Later? I never okay. got in the studio so with him. Okay. Okay. Like I never got in the studio right. with him, and I couldn't understand. It wasn't until um, bedtime. That's that was my first record with him. What year was that? That was the next album. That okay. was my way. So. Okay, was bedtime presented to you already in its completed form? No, it was it, uh, it was primarily like, was it done. Worked on on the spot, right in front of you. It was worked on in the studio, um, and I was there. And then I came, I went in the booth and, and cut it. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm doing. But a, I don't think it was a song like that. I'm, he just pitched me. No, nah, I wasn't that. Because I'm doing a journalistic no no, but I have a theory. Okay. Because I'm very obsessed with the process of how the water just went dry for Babyface after uh, yeah. 2001, really 1998. You know, there, my, like there's the period, yeah. the clap with I know what you're about, yeah. of LA Babyface. <laughs> then there's the 95 to 99 Babyface by himself shit. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, he with the Neptunes, like the, that, just yeah, hanging the on. Neptunes up, yeah, that was yeah. And the thing is, is that I had a theory that the real LA and Babyface was as yet, okay. Because what many people don't know is that, and again, these are all my theories. I'm not group? trying to throw. Last night, the I'm, song like right, that's was, what I'm talking about. Yeah. You about the group as yet? Yeah, right? okay, exactly. But I'm saying that what, what many people don't know, especially people not involved in the industry, is that a lot of these times when you're working with these super producers, you're really just leasing their name. Right. Yeah. They got workers really I doing mean, the I mean, a person work. that we know, is, for the and example, Simmons is Dr. Dre. And, and your KOs. Yeah, exactly. and right. KO, so yep. when, you're, when you're giving Dr. Dre a quarter of a million dollars for a Dr. Dre song, chances are is that he has minions and people working. Like, yeah, he's there to instruct that. But as far as actually doing the layman's work. I always felt you're crushing me right now. Well, no, no, no. Again, these are my theories. These are my theories, and I don't want to put you in the position where you have to confirm or deny it. But I'm just saying that when you are between 1994 yeah, and 1999, Babyface, Ellen Babyface, combined or solo, had at least 10 to 15 bangers per per year. And then everything and then stopped. Over. And then I, I, I scientifically looked happened. at everything. But and then hip hop happened. But life happened. <laughs> oh, he had kids. No, no, life happened. He got a divorce. Right. He got married. Tracy. All of that shit. And then he probably just wasn't as hungry for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm we great friends now, right? He's the guy that I can call at four o'clock in the morning and he'll pick up the phone. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, I, and I've asked, like, so I'll go back and I'm listening to all of those old school, like, well, what is old school now? You know what yeah. I mean? But listening to those records, I'm like, what the hell were y'all doing? Like, like this, there's a feeling of this shit and the mixture, like the, like the science of what this was, like how y'all were mixing shit together. What were y'all thinking? He was like, man, we had that song for like six years. Wow. 
that was just sitting in the like Roni, that had just been sitting in there. I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah, man, way before we gave it to Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> but ne- next to Prince's genius streak of 82 to 87, 88, I felt like Babyface's output of songs was unparalleled. And then it just stops like that. So what do you think it was? Well, I kind of want you to insinuate or not insinuate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just fuck John. Just because I I know that Pharrell writes all of his stuff and does his work alone. I know Premier produces all of his stuff. Like, really, just solo by himself. I can't even imagine that Babyface had the work ethic where he's up night and day just effortlessly churning churning out hit after hit after hit. Like, he has 35 to 40, like, oh, I remember that song. Oh, I remember that song. So what I'm saying is once as yet left the premises and the divorce and the Yab Yum versus LaFace or whatever went down. (laughs) Today, Amir. Come on, man. You're the cat with the canary. Tell me. (laughs) You're not going to tell me, are you? No, nah, I mean, I'm saying, I, by the way, at that age, I don't think I was thinking of any of that shit. I was just like, I want to get in the studio and actually get one out of him because I haven't had any record, period. Well, I'm just so saying, did I, you physically see him work? Like, does he have a, a, a paper and a <laughs> Thank pen? You. And, I did. He's it. Okay, that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I didn't know if. I did. LA, no. LA and Babyface was a bit like, did they just come to you with these songs or was it like you saw them sitting there, or this chord, that chord? What do you think? When did. I just I nah, can't. I, I never got the the Nile Rogers and Bernard Edwards like pers- it wasn't that I don't, I don't think he present the the one that I, I can tell you that was one record that he presented to me and that's I think that that's what kind of like really made him not fuck with me at all period or L A Reid with regards to me because he also too he didn't believe in me as an artist he's like I don't really I don't really L A Reid no L A Reid babyface he was like I don't really I don't get him and um. He presented a record, and Puff he he rejected the record, and that was it. It was like, all right, well then I'm not gonna have nothing to do with it at all. How did you feel? I mean, I was devastated. I actually signed the deal to work with those two producers, <laughs> and I to this day still ain't got a record from them. You know what I'm saying? Like so, together. So Puff oversaw the first album. He made the call in terms of what went he on. He EP'd the first album. Yeah, got you. Got you. How now? How did it go from? Because you know you were talking about when you lost your voice, they were thinking of dropping you. So yeah. then the first album comes out and it doesn't do, you know, it doesn't sell. I guess you know yeah. whatever. What did so Usher wind up doing? Keep you? What did What did the first album wind up doing? I mean, I think in in its did it? probably greatest, it maybe got up to about maybe gold, maybe like now it might. Yeah, be gold. maybe it, it might be gold. Really? Yeah. yeah. That single carried that joint. Dang. Okay. So how did you go from that to my not way. getting dropped? Yeah, to, to my way. Like how did you Well, I started working with uh Dallas Austin okay. on my next album and you know, I bought him a Lamborghini because that was with the exchange for doing my album. Damn, how did you buy him a Lamborghini? Even Steve is laughing. Damn. Yeah, they was they was killing my budget, bro. I was I was of that of that group of artists who really you, you know hype Williams budget <laughs> nah but it wasn't that it was that that was a that was that time so they had to find ways to kind of move and work their own shit and the artists they just had to absorb that and plus I knew what it was we understood and if you think about what you're going to end up paying a 
a producer, it would be the equivalent of that. You know what I'm saying? So but he made money too, right? No, he he did the album for for that. A Lamborghini. Yeah, well, he was. It he didn't was happen. So wait, wait, it didn't happen because he and I didn't. We didn't blend. So I was gonna work on this album called A Book of Love with him. And with, this is with, with Dallas. Dallas, Dallas okay. And the motherfucker just wouldn't show up to the studio. I would be sitting there for hours. I'd come there, be sitting in the in the front. Then eventually I start picking up instruments and start trying to build the album of damn self. Was this <laughs> around the time when he was uh he was playing with uh, Fishbone? Was it around that time? Yeah. I think it was. It was 96, yeah. 95, 96. Yeah, but I just think that he really didn't he didn't he didn't believe in me like that. You know what I'm saying? I think it was more or less of a favor for LA and I wasn't a priority. And he so, was trying to get his label off the ground too around that time, it was, right? It was, it was with Jamal and them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, legal. Illegal, yeah. And um Monica. Monica, he that's just, what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah Monica. He, he really just wasn't focused. So instead of us continuing to do that, I mean, it was just disrespectful. Like, <laughs> he wouldn't show up to the studio. Like, hey, man, the session starts at this time. And he was like, yo, man, you got to get this dude to chill out. Like, you know what I mean? I'm a viber dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to just do things in the, in the club. I'm like, man, fuck that, man. We going to work on our album. We going to work on our album. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, fuck it. I'm not coming to the studio. I'm done. And um, that was it. That was the history of that. And, you know. <laughs> there it went. Damn. Like, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, you're in Atlanta. I imagine how the fuck at, I at, feel. I sang At the climax day. of, like, the Atlanta movement. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, it's like the new Motown where, you know, TLC's in the house and all these no. groups and, and everyone's one big-ass family. That happened. All of that is still true, but the reality is, like, certain things ain't meant to happen. You know what I mean? I seen this guy, and I was the full see. I was a very, very special artist. You know what I'm saying? Like, back then, I had the confidence of, like, 10 billion people. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So, I'm in a... I'm in, shut up, man. So, I, so, I wish you <laughs> stop lying to me. So, so, look, he dude passed up on me, man. Like, like he seen me before. I performed for him. And he was like, yeah, give me a call tomorrow, man. You know? Oh, like dude. that. I was like, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? I'll see you again, man. Damn. And, and um... You know, so I'm still holding on a little bit of that by, you know, sitting in that lobby. You know, I was like, man, fuck it. I'm not coming back to the Dude, studio. Dude, this explains everything. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing, I'm getting to know you as a person and as an artist. And really, you know, I purposely, especially for this interview, normally, you know, I'll, I'll Google and start reading all interviews just to see where you mind. But I know that you have this tireless work ethic about you. And now this is starting to make sense because now I feel like you really got something to prove. Even though, yeah, you might be cool with Face and Dallas now. Like you'll see each other, give each other a pound or whatever. Yeah. Um. But now I'm feeling like, oh. We cool wait, now, though. Wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> yeah, because you won. Well, I'm just feeling like the Joker. Like, now, There's like, another are you chapter feeling to that, like, too, by the way. Or what? There's another chapter to that that okay. we haven't got to yet. But I'm just saying... Cause I ended oh, up. Oh shit! Yeah. I'm sorry. You won. You won. I wasn't even trying to go there. You won. No, let's go you there. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, you win. Let's go there. <laughs> anyway, I'm just My saying that <laughs> as an artist, I'm thinking that you now. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> You sound like me over there. <laughs> no, but ah. Uh, anyway, go in. Go in. Let's go in. Let's go in. No, no, we're not trying to turn this into that. No, it's not show. the gossip hour. It's not, not that, but you know. 
I mean, but there's certain truths that actually make it fun. You know what I'm saying? And we all grown. We passed the shit. No, but we passed it. So I mean the reality is Usher's petty. Yeah, yeah, that's cool shit. (laughs) Embrace the petty. Yeah, man. Petty 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 grass. Okay, so how did (laughs) So uh, how did you come across the hi hat king Jermaine Dupri? <laughs> I'm sorry. So, thank you. For for the record, Rick Rubin has the loudest scratches on hip hop records, but bar none, uh, Jermaine Dupri's hi hats. Hi hats. <laughs> like when you're spinning uh, records, uh, sometimes your needle can be sensitive to grooves on the record. And his hi hats are thrown in Any Jermaine Dupri, yeah, it's a like it could affect. He has the loudest hip hop hi hats of all time. I mean, I respect it, but, you know, I mean, back then it was frustrating as hell to spend to a, a Jermaine Dupree cut because <laughs> the hi-hats would always skip the record sometimes as well. Anyway, so how did you wind up with Jermaine Dupree? He did a remix for Think of You, and that was the that was the beginning of me kind of working with him. And he was like, you know, if we work, you know, let's work together. And I was like, man, I really do. I think it was like you really did a great job. He came in the studio. He produced it from scratch. I'm saying we created it right there. You know what I'm saying? And he, he was just dope. I was like, yo, man, when I work on my next album, I really want you to, I really want you to be a part of it. And um, you know, L.A. Reid put us together after Dallas. And uh, were, that was when you were working in L.A., right? Did y'all was that? No, nah, we did all did of you that. Do in his any basement? songs with Dallas? None. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, none that came out. I, I, you mean like did we actually eventually like was get there in? a song like yeah uh, I've had a song called Waterfalls first or whatever I mean like did you ever work you any remember, song with Dallas I think he was working with Deborah Kill no not Deborah Deborah Killings De- Deborah no Deborah Cox oh. so there's a couple of records on Deborah Cox that probably slid Were, from my project should, to okay. her to, to her project and I think it was that Montel do 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 baby it's all yeah, right yeah you had that sample first. Nah, no, I I didn't do the record, but I'm saying I would have potentially had that, had record that song if okay. I weren't around him. I see. And not to say that it wasn't, you know, he had his process, man. It just didn't work with me. You know what I'm saying? All right, y'all didn't vibe. That's yeah. cool. You didn't vibe. Anyway, so so I I ended up, you know, being put with JD, and we just started working. I just started kicking it with him. We worked on it in Atlanta in his basement. Oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yo, part. about that manual seal. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about him because he was like I would always see him uh, working with Jaden. He was like one of my favorite songwriters. Yeah, and what was his process like? So JD had Emmanuel Seal working at the time, and Kawan Prather. KP. He, yeah, KP. Damn, that's the name. Kawan Prather. Kawan Prather. Yeah, he's uh, he he's a, is KP still at KP? You know, no KP. He's independent. Uh, he works with Pharrell now, but um, he he um. He worked with Parental Advisory at the time, yeah, PA, yeah. right? Well, I got the official names of everything. He was in PA, everything. right? He was in. He, he was, was the DJ in PA. in PA. Oh, R. Kelly, thank you. Okay, got no, it. Right. That's public no, 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 Oh, no, shoot. Okay, no, no. I'm back to my quiet place. <laughs> no, that's our first lady over there. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that Let's Hello? Get Naked? No, that was Highland Place Mobs. Highland Place Mobs. PA operator. I just joined Lyia in the graveyard. That's all right. Usher, you gonna be in the graveyard? They were signed to Pepitone, weren't they? I they think had to they deal were. with MCA. <laughs> yeah. R. Kelly. 
She got Tourette's over there. Public announcement. R. Kelly Tourette's. Nah, that's so not who it is. Sorry, just sorry. Nah, so KP. He was over there with me, and we just started working on the album. You know what I'm saying? And the rest is kind of like big. It became history. I I just worked day in day. No, but JD had a, such a weird fucking way of working. And after dealing with um, uh, Dallas Austin, it was like, Yo, you want me to come to the studio and sit and watch you play fucking video games? I can't do that, man. I don't play. And then I just didn't play video. I just wasn't a kid who played video games. I stopped and was like, I can't catch back up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I put the I put the joystick down. So I'm here to work. I was that serious, you know what I'm saying? So now I was like, yo, man, let's, you know, let's play pool, man. You know, at least that's a game that I can play. So we started playing pool for push-ups and shit like that. And then before you know it, I was doing crunches and shit, and I started forming goddamn six-packs. So, so that became a part That's when of it. that happened? Yeah, that's when it happened. He was subliminally <laughs> trying to get you in shape also, that shit. But his is missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good one. So what was the first song y'all worked on? First record we worked on, um, oh man, what was the first one? I don't think it was a song that made the album. Okay. No, I don't think it was a record that made the album. Damn, I don't even remember the damn name of it, man. Uh, the name of the, oh, okay. I was like, well, the album's called My Way. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> the first album we worked on was called My Way. But, uh, the first song. The first song I do not remember. Yeah, I remember my way. That hit my. That was my freshman year of college, and you make me wanna like. You made me want was like the last record of the entire album. Why is that always the case? Because it's always like we're missing we're something. Missing, we need a yeah. hit. We need a single. We need a single. We need. Was a single. it? Was that I the case it, with someone I, I, like I th- we're missing something? I think it was. No, I think it was. My favorite joint was "One Day You'll Be Mine," and it wasn't because of the Isley sample, but just like me, I think just like me was the first record that we worked on. But. What was the song that you were like, all right, I'm back. You got something. This, yeah. Now now I'm a force to be reckoned with. Or I think it was Nice and Slow. That was the one that was like, oh, shit, we got something. But Come Back, it was another record that we worked on. And um, So how how is JD directing this? Because I mean, at that point, I'm thinking of him strictly from hip-hop context. Yeah. So... As a producer, what is his process in the studio? We like, is talk. he sitting there coaching you on vocals? No. <laughs> Yo, I'm so glad. Look, I hate vocals. I will be like, all right, you he do does. What you're doing. He, I'm gonna play games. Back at this point, now he does. Now he'll actually sit in the studio with me now. But back then, you had to literally like sit in the living room or like his little living room area downstairs in the basement, and they would just play video games for hours. So who's coaching your vocals on this stuff? Eventually, it was Emmanuel and a guy. Uh, this is back when Phil Tan, who was his, oh, his yeah, yeah, yeah. engineer. His engineer. The engineer is always the vocal coach. <laughs> he, w- he would actually uh, go through a vocal production with me. But um, it was mostly Emmanuel because he, he, would, he would put it down piece by piece, and then I kind of go in and then work on it. We wrote certain things were you, together. Yeah, was, were you guys co-writing together? Yeah. Or? Yeah. I would basically, you know, Talk to JD about just different shit, and before you know it, he started writing. I hadn't I hadn't developed my my writing. I hadn't picked up a pen yet. I'm just kind of like talking about things, and he's taking it in, writing it. And then before you know it, I come back to the studio. He'll hit me at three o'clock in the morning, like come to the studio. I'm like, I'm sleepy. I've been I was out there all day waiting on you to damn produce something, and then you didn't. Are you are you a daytime studio person? 
at that time I was. Because I mean, if I was still in school, man, like I'm still, <laughs> I'm still in school trying to figure out how to balance between two worlds. And um, you know, I uh, yeah, <laughs> I come out there at three o'clock in the morning, tired as hell, and he want to work. I had to start and go. So you went to physical school, like you weren't tutor and the the celeb. No, nah, wait a minute, I'm fucking up. No, I was out of school then. I was yeah, taking I was like, my now, yo, I think I, you yo, were 19. But the craziest shit is I was the family driver in addition to being a nighttime artist. Okay. So you, had your little <laughs> you drove your mom to work. I had to drive my mom to and work. Drive my girl to, to wait. Come. Was your mom still working? My mother was still working. I had to drive my mom to work. I had to drive my girlfriend to Spelman and then drop my Look brother at you, off. Spelman girl. Yeah, <laughs> drop my brother off and um, then get my ass back to the house. For just a second, go pick my little brother up, go pick my mom up, bring them back home, go pick my girlfriend up, come back home, Dude, and then drive to the studio. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad More you're telling the story. Than an, than an yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was the original. See, the, you just won the just show. Won. <laughs> you just won. More chauffeur than Usher. Wow. <laughs> Uber. Usher. He's the original Uber. <laughs> Yo. I'm it's, actually glad you said that because even as at least I'm even as the uh, as an established artist, at least in the eyes of people that don't know the industry, mm-hmm. you're still blue collar with it. And you're still like your mom's still keeping a job. She's not like, yeah. OK, I'm going to manage him full time or none of that stuff. Wait, is Brooke still in the, the picture? Brooke but, is no longer in the picture. I now am. Um, I'm, I'm just working on the album, so I didn't really need a manager. My mother, she basically, you know, helped me find an attorney that then kind of handled my business or whatever per album to album. And, um, you know, just kind of focused on once again getting that album getting that album done. Can you describe Brooke as a person? Because um, for those that don't know, um, you know, thank God the New Edition movie went down. And I love the way, like, he was my favorite character in the New Edition movie only because of at least the lesson that he taught new edition was just basically I'm going to teach you how to be professional. I'm not going to make you stars, but I will teach you how to be professional. He's like that uncle that, or that granddad that makes you scared because you don't know what the fuck he's thinking. Good. And you're like, I just don't want him to be disappointed in me. No, he, he, look, dude, I spoke to him about that whole process and he like confirmed that he he was like not exactly the black version of what's his name in Whiplash, yeah. But he did. He believed. I know that Brooke told me that he. He said too much praise is is almost damaging to an artist because that'll make them laxed, and it's weird that. I'm not saying that slave mentality, like the like to keep keep the workers, uh, in in keep in a place. Hungry. Keep them. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, but it keep it makes them work harder. And you know, next to Ch- like Charlie Atkins, like I consider Brooke Payne one of the greatest choreographers. Uh, or, yeah, proprietors of of just that spirit of like when he's working with you, is he strictly just a manager from a manager center, or is he working with you no. on your dance moves? And- At that time, he wasn't working on choreography anymore. So, were you asking him to work with you? Or I'm always meeting people out, you know, when they just stepping out of their space. I can't get a fucking record from <laughs> Babyface in, in LA. Can't get, I can't get Brooke Payne to goddamn teach you, know, you one step. Teach me a step now. But um, I mean, he had wisdom, or at least I hope he had wisdom. 
Yeah, he had man wisdom. But beyond. then you left him after the first record. It so. wasn't that. No, I didn't leave him. Oh. What happened is New Edition. They got back together. Came back because yep, that was a home again. Right? And and this is right before everything happened for me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and he's like, Damn, you know, Usher. That was '96. You're like an orphan, man. Like <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you can't leave, man. And and he and Jeff Dyson was like. We got to go back and work on this project. I was like, well, maybe I can open up for y'all or something like that. He's like, no, nah, I got to give it my undivided attention as I would if it were you. So I was like, all right, I, you know what? I, I got to respect that. And if there's an opportunity for us to work again, and that's when my mother became my manager. Now, yeah. what is that like? Because you're approaching adulthood. Like, is it easy? The, the 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 Joe Jackson Matthew Knowles of it all like is it easy to separate the hats of the two when your mom's your manager like is she traveling on the road with you as your manager is it like yeah so how hard is that because you're I mean you're becoming of age I'm a grown man in my, in theory because I've always been the man yeah of the you're house driving people mind. to work so how no, but I, in my mind, I'm also too. I've I've elected to be the provider of the family, even though my mother is the protector, right? And in many ways, I think that she kind of she crippled me a little bit for a minute because my focus wasn't it had nothing to do with business, had everything to do with art. And thank I thank her for that because I wouldn't have I, I wouldn't have established the the focus that I have now if I couldn't have just focused on music, 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 dance, 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 performance, 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 performance. If I was always kind of trying to figure out who's trying to take money, where the money's coming from, I would have been petty. You know what I'm saying? I would have I would have lost sight of what what the goal was. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, another thing, my mother never my mother was never the extremely, um, you know, I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. You can't. She let me. I got into shit. You know what I'm saying? And she understood. That's just thing. That's what men do. Boys do that. You know what I'm saying? But if you're going to do it, do it in the safety of your house. Be protected. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. I'm trying not to go there. But yeah. like, no, nah, you went there. Yeah, nah. Home. Pull up. Trail. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. R. I Kelly. Mean, no. Yeah. Don't make me go okay. there. Because, you know. I've seen you running down the steps of the gun. Yeah, please. No. R. Kelly references. Not right now. Okay, so I feel silly. Because as much traveling as I do, and as many Airbnbs that I stay in, because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa. Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. 
Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So, what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Okay, so when you finish the record and you're mastering your sequencing, right? At this point, are you like, okay, this is it. I'm the, I'm gonna show everyone that I'm the shit. Or, I mean, what's- nah, it's just the work. Ain't even about the accolade. At that point, I just want to work. I want to get back on the road. I want to get back out there and perform. I want to just continue to grow. You know what I'm saying? It's like it ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with showing nobody up. I'm better than anybody. But it's like, no, it's not over for me. And I'm gonna keep working because I got more to do. I still ain't. I still haven't fulfilled what I saw when I was eight. Well, MTV like grasped onto you like crazy because I mean everything, every video that I know of was was played ungodly yeah. during that point. And I think by this point you're, is this the, the, the well no no, no is this the Mary Usher tour? Was that during that period? No, that uh, or was that that was eighty seven one. Okay, so what is what is the what is your live show like now like? Yeah, my way was like I had a little bit of Philly with me. I had, you know, um, let me see. That's when I brought. There was a little bit of Detroit. You remember, you know, Kern and um, Valdez Brentley. Mm. They out of Detroit. That's yeah. who played with Mary. Okay. Kern Kern was uh, EP for. I mean, um, was MD for. Um, Wait, Mary do J. they Bosch. work with the uh, the Dream as well? I'm not sure if they do or not. Okay, I'm trying to. You get to figure out who else they work with. Okay. But anyway, so I had a band and I was comfortable with performing with a band. Um, now, are yeah. you like you are now? Like you're aware and you know what you want to convey? Like who's conveying your ideas? He and me. That's it. It's he and me. And is he listening to you? Yep. <laughs> and we won. Sort of like in a way I don't, <laughs> sort of like in a way I don't listen to you. <laughs> and we won. <laughs> <laughs> So what what are you trying to what are you trying to convey as an artist by this by this time period? Like what are you at this point I'm trying to live out everything that goes with this album. Cuz this is the first time that I've actually made songs that 
are relative to my life, what I've gone through, what I've experienced. So now I'm trying to recreate, recapture those moments that, you know, that idea. It's a little bit, it's a little bit country, you know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> you know, I had to deal with what I had access to. But, you know, you know, when I came on stage, I had a tribute to Bobby that I did every night. Um, now, you, you, you ha- do you have a close relationship to Bobby Brown or was it like, oh, you're my idol and hey, nice kid. Like the, nah, the we cool. Mean Joe Green commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, kid. No, nah, we, we cool. We cool now. You know, there was a moment where we weren't cool. And it was because he was he was really he was really just like he was on Spiraling. the drugs, man. It was just too much. But okay, so what I'm saying is is we had a falling out. So he he tried to fight me in the oh, club, shit. and it was uh, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, I was going to ask you, was he feel threatened? You think he felt nah, threatened? Nah, it wasn't a threat though. I think it was just the drugs. It's just you know what I'm saying. Sometimes you know shit just happened. Okay. Well, how good. do you feel about meeting your artists? Because I have I my I fear is like never meet your idols, never meet them. Because I was crushed, I was crushed, and I think that he just read me wrong. I'll never forget it was my birthday. And he showed up uh, to this birthday party that I had in Los Angeles, and I introduced That's him. That's the I first said, time you're meeting. Nope, I knew him when I was a kid because yeah, because of okay. AJ Alexander. So he, I man, I spent time in his house. I spent time at Boss Town. He cooked for you? Nah, nah, nah. But, Yo, for the record, Bobby Brown's like one of the best cooks of all time. Yeah. All right, back to the show. Go ahead. <laughs> so now nah, we, I knew him. You know what I'm saying? I drove, dro- uh, driven in cars with him, all kind of stuff. Well, I was kicking it with him. You know what right. I'm saying? And when I got signed to LaFace Records, you know, I was always like a part of the crew. I was a part of the, B, you know, B Town crew. And um, plus his kid, uh, uh, Hakeem, his mm-hmm. nephew, he went to school with me, so I would always kind of be around with them. But anyway, um, I had a birthday party. And he was in the house, you know what I'm saying? So I I got on the mic and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to the original King of King R&B. Of R&B. I said the original King of R&B right. in respect. And at the time... He felt sarcasm? I think he thought I was trying. It was after... Sounds like you the original, but I'm the new, new king. Right. right. Gotcha. So he oh. pulled me in. He was like, well, it's like that little nigga. He said, for real? Nigga, don't get... And he, he was like, don't get fucked up or something. I was like, yo, hold up, man. Like for real, like that. So, you know what I'm saying? We, you know, so I. Yikes. I kind of like just, and then he kind of squared up with me and then they jumped in between. It was crazy, man. And I'm oh, looking at him like. Sad. But I idolize you. <laughs> you my idol. Like, for real? So, Does you he know, remember that? Like, I don't think you remember yeah. that. I, I was celebrating. <laughs> Damn. And my mother and them, they try to pull me out of the place. And he like, fuck that. He like, he going off on me. And I'm like, it's me, Bobby. It's me. Like, come on, man. And what year is this? What year is that when that happens? What year was this? August 7th. <laughs> I think this was, th- this was, this was after my way. Yeah, it had to be been at least two years after my way. So I predict it's August 7th, 1999. <laughs> Yeah, it was after my wife. Damn, man. Whew. It was after Candy Girl, too, right? <laughs> I can't. Like, you decades can't. after Candy Girl. Can't feel you. Wow. Maybe you could join us. Yeah. <laughs> so, with My Way, with that record, when there's a, My Way happens and then you do the live record, um, wh- how did you know, like, when did you know, because you said that You Make Me Wanna was the last one you did. Yeah. 
did you know that that one was the hit? It was like, okay, this is the one, or did that just happen later? It just happened. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, for me, it was never about a hit record. It was about getting back to the stage. That's it. Did you get back to the stage? I need to get back to the, I need to get back to the stage. That was it. Gotcha. Rather it was a hit record or not, you know, L.A. Reid, he had a job. You know, KP, they had a job to bring me the best records and help, you know, kind of tell my story. Because they knew that I really wasn't allowing just anybody to just kind of write. You know what I mean? Like, well, let's, we got to get in the studio and we got to work on it. But let me ask. Yeah. I mean, before my before you make me wanna, yeah. When you're listening to the album in progress, what's Ellie Reed saying? We just need that one, that one, that that last record. So even with nice and slow and and my way stuff wanted, that was established hits. So now nah, we wanted to come out with my way. We wanted to come out with nice and slow. My way wasn't even on the. You chart. wanted nice and slow first. I wanted nice and slow first. Damn. Okay. So. He was like, nah, you got to have an up-tempo. Up-tempo doesn't, yeah. So JD, he produced this beat, and I just rolled with the beat, rolled with the beat. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I can, at that point, I was like, I'm going to write. You know what I'm saying? Because it just take him it just take him a minute to get to it. <laughs> and um, he was going through some shit. I was going through some shit in a relationship. We were talking it up. And then one day at 3 o'clock in the morning, he hit me up, and I came over, and the rest is history. That's dope. <laughs> After that record, when you went into eighty seven oh one, that was a episode one came after that one. Yeah. Um, how did the Neptunes come into the picture? For um, I think so. I had seen for real a lady by the name of Candy Tooks. She introduced me to Pharrell when he back when they were uh, on Future. I think is the name of the uh, when they were with with Teddy Riley. With Teddy Riley. Oh, the Future. Oh, yeah. So they were. Yeah. So they they were. Um, they was like studio producers, you know what I'm saying? And I met them, but there was no connection. I actually worked on a couple of songs. Um, I think, yeah, I think it was my, I think it was before my way, and I had seen them, but I didn't necessarily make the connection. So KP, he began to, you know, he came in with these records, and I was like, okay, you know, let's let's try to get in with them. Let's try to, you know, whatever. He was like, yeah, I, I think I got, I got something, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm not sure Front was out was out or not. But he was trying his hardest to get that record. Oh wow! He was trying his hardest to get that record. Yeah, yo, I, you know, because it was one. I think I think it was for eighty seven on one that didn't make it. Wifey, Sweet Lies. Oh no, I'm thinking Sweet Wifey. Lies. Yeah, there's like ten. I love two that. songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I still love that fucking song. Yeah, man. Um, was it is it was it any truth to that? Uh, you don't have to call was originally for Mike or was that just is that fan fiction? That I don't know. All okay. I know is when I got it, LA went crazy and he was like, You gotta cut this record. And I was like, All right, I'll cut it, no problem. And that okay, was the beginning. Are you easily uh, the thing is because the 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 folklore of the Neptunes, especially when they're in glory in their glory period, everybody wanted the Neptunes cut. But you know, initially hearing the Neptunes, it was a hard pill for me to swallow. No, it was a hard pill for me to swallow. I think too. the first beat I heard was "I can't make a mistake." I can't make an MC I mean, light. I didn't know about SW. I mean, I knew. Nah, but that wasn't like in hindsight. Neptunes. It was. I but can't it make wasn't. a mistake. Was the first Neptune sounding song, and I was like, okay. My first one was uh, Mace. They were looking at me. Wow. You're right. Oh, okay, they're looking at me. I was like, what in the hell is it? like? And it's real no sparse. You know, like it. It's weird because for all the. <laughs> for the for the folklore of how it took music listeners uh a minute to accept and digest when doves cry like you'll you'll hear people in hindsight speak of like 
well, Warner Brothers was, was upset that Prince took the bass line out of it. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, When Doves Cry didn't feel that foreign to me. Nah. But yet, when I heard the Neptune stuff, I was just like, something's missing. Like, it, I don't know what it is. It's like a lot of drums and, and no the music. sounds they were using and like the stock set keyboard sounds. It yeah, was like, it was just like, I mean, it sounded between, kind of plastic. Between them and Swiss, like the era of the keyboard beats. It sounded like demos. So, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, when how, you hit demo on the Casio, it's like, <laughs> right. that's it. That's so, what it how are they convincing you, yo, this is the shit? They didn't. I got it from KP. So I was using mm-hmm. KP's ears, and when You Don't Have to Call came on, it was it was hard. That <laughs> beat was... Yeah. Gah, 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 after the so night. they played it loud <laughs> for you? <laughs> Don't, man, it, that shit was hard. Another thing, Pharrell is world famous for how he sells you a song. No, he did. He wasn't there. KP played the record. He, I didn't meet them until after. In the mm, studio. You know okay. what I'm saying? And then that's when they were like, yo, we met you before. We met you back uh, with Candy too. So who's singing the lyrics on the on original the demo. demo before you got it? He did. Pharrell sang it. It was real, like, straight. Pharrell. Situations will arise in our life, but you got to be smart about it. It was real simple. <laughs> that, was that around the same time? It was another mm-hmm. record. Uh, is Sweet Lies Certified. Oh, I no, remember that. No, Certify one. happened after that. Okay, that was after. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, that was I give you 300%. Yeah. Now, um, that was back when he he uh, started working with Robin Thicke. Ah. Uh, because Robin okay. and him worked on that record. And okay. me and Robin had always been like this because I met him. I did it. That was back when I was like interviewing people and shit on MTV. And I interviewed and introduced him to to the to the world. I I was like, and but long hair, Robin. He had long. He looked like Jesus. Hippie, yeah, yeah. hippie. Robin. I was like, man, you look like Jesus. Bicycle Robin. Yeah. <laughs> what they told me he looked like. Yeah, man. So, um, well, also we should um, note that uh, eighty seven on one also contains the most unlikely departure sound of Jam and Lewis. I was about to say, yeah, but. Uh, you remind me? Yeah, you remind me. Yeah, because I almost feel like you remind me starts the period of them. I call it witness protection jamming, Lewis. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> I, I, what you I, I mean. Know I know exactly what you mean. No, 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 no. Let me go back. Y'all, y'all getting this all wrong. Because Terry is just, no, I just did the vocal. You're getting this all wrong. You, yeah, you're getting this all wrong. Lewis. Nope, you're getting this all wrong. I got to stop you. School is, bro. Okay, so a guy by the name of Butter is who produced You Remind Me. And he wrote, it with, and he wrote it with his sister. So he wrote it with his sister and mine, and mm-hmm. I got that record. Wait, from, say it again. Yeah, this, is, this is when Mark. This is when Mark. Oh, picked. I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> you didn't write it. You didn't write it for his sister. So Come this, on, man. Nah. I that too. It's okay. I, I'm not Come lying. On. I'm sorry. Come man. Incest on another level. Nah, <laughs> yo, Boss Bill want to smack the black off me right now. Go ahead and tell your story. But it I'm wasn't. Sorry. But but it wasn't necessarily. Um, it was his production from the aspect of producing my vocals and also to kind of leading the record. But the record was pretty much what it was. I just was so comfortable working with him as a vocal producer that I wanted him to be a part of that song. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. so that's the truth about the record. Butter is the original uh, producer of that record. Wow. There was an album before 8701 that got scrapped because I guess it got leaked on the internet. How much of that actually wound up on 8701 and how much of it, the rest of it's just kind of... 8701. Because um, there was a single, it was a poppy collar that came out. And then. So this is back when you could actually put out a record and then just scrap an entire album, right? <laughs> right, right, right. So, so that was a single that came out. 87, yeah, 80, 
8701, right? So I worked on a gang of song, gang of songs. I worked on um I didn't know that Poppy Collar was an official. It was it was official. This is back when you could send a record overseas. You know what I'm saying? And then that was the they and then they worked it from overseas and you just kind of got off of it in America. So oh. it came out here in America and they just deaded it real quick. And it became a record. It's huge overseas. It's crazy <laughs> when I whenever I play that record, how they go crazy. I'm like, I hate this song. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I love it for the idea of what it represents in my career, but I'm like, I don't want to sing this song ever. <laughs> Are there any other songs like that you just don't want to nah, deal with anymore? Not really. I mean, I'm I'm cool, but I mean, there's there's certain things that I have tried that works, and I'm like. Why the fuck did this song work? Because now I got to perform it forever. You know what I'm saying? It was a short-lived term, pop your collar, I feel like. It didn't last long enough. Yeah, people didn't want to hear that. Yeah. They, they didn't, they didn't want to hear that one here. I was going to ask you to talk about songs that you never want to perform again. And I was looking Is crazy. Is one of those songs? No. It's not? Okay. No, no, no. You know, and you'll be happy to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love that record. I, I, think I, I think that's the one record that I'm like. You do? Yeah, I love it. Okay. I love it. It's cool. I heard a story that apparently it was similar to, I guess, what uh, what you make you want to wear. Y'all had finished Confessions, and that was the last one, and you felt it didn't fit the record. Yeah, ain't have shit to do with that whole album. But they was like, this is a hit. Fuck it. Like You got to keep this shit. Well, they brought me the record. It was Shakir and L.A. Reid at the time. Yeah. And they were working with um, Sean Garrett at the time. Mm -hmm. So they bring me the record. And I'm like, yo, this record don't sound shit like my record. And I spent an entire, however long it took, six, seven months working on this album. You want me to just throw this song on there? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, it's a hit. I'm like, <laughs> so I took the record and um, I played it for KP. I was like, yo, man, I don't want to do this song. I said, but tell me what you think I should do. He was like, man, you crazy. If you that shit. He said, you crazy if you don't cut this record. I said, you think so? He was like, yeah, man, you should cut this record. It's It's a hit. It's a smash. I was like, but this didn't sound like he trying to be Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, he's like, don't sing it like him. Sing it like you. So who did the demo vocal? Who was singing on it? Sean Carey. Oh, Sean was singing. Okay, uh, that's right. Yeah, he did right. Yeah, he was that's killing right. me, dude. <laughs> but we're, um, I mean, we're skipping records, but I will say that when I listen to Confessions, well, I mean, skipping records. I'm skipping, skipping singles. Mad 8701 questions. I still oh, got. Oh, oh, oh. But I'm just saying that the way that I hear Confessions, yeah, to me is almost like, the movie preview, like yeah. in my mind, the album yeah. still starts with throwback. Yeah, yeah. So just like okay, you put a little preview at the top, kind of like Snoop's record, the, with, the uh, doggy style with, uh, with Rage starting off. Yeah, like okay, there's a little preview of what you're gonna get, and then it really starts with with, with Gin and, and Juice. Juice. That's how I always felt that year was like the sequencing on it was perfect. Right, because it didn't make sense in theory to have a song like that that had nothing to do with what I was talking about, and I was so like theme oriented because I kind of got into like I really want to say this, like I want us to talk about real hard shit, like let's talk about all the shit that nobody will talk about. It was Eminem. I was listening to his albums and listening to his records, and I'm like, yo, how is it that he can take the liberty to just say whatever the fuck he want to say on the record, and it worked. I was like, I, I want to do that, and I was going to a lot of guess. <laughs> I got one guess, but uh. so then I was listening to country music too, and I'm like, yeah, it's honesty in country music. Stories they tell, yeah. they honest. So let's tell stories. I was like, let's just let's just sit around. 
all five of us, and let's just talk about all of the shit that has happened to us. And we was all just putting shit in the pot, and it was like, that's a song. This is a song. All right, then we're going to do this. We say this. And, and then, you know, we and a lot of it was shared, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of them stories weren't necessarily mine, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I was going to ask you, to talk about uh, Jonte Austin, man, like him as a writer. So Jonte, uh, as an artist, uh, we worked together when I was younger, and, um, you know, kind of making that round circle back and, um, you know, just just finding our way, uh, you know, through, what, through whatever it was, rather it was a contribution as a motivation or either uh, a vocal production or whatever it may have been. We really didn't make our connection until um, until Here I Stand. Uh. It was on Here I Stand that we really, like, he did this song for me called Something Special that, I mean, it might not be a hit, but it really is something special. Like you gotta go back and listen to that album. Like people, pe- people. I don't want to skip, but yeah. I'll... So let's I go to this roots <laughs> record we're working on. <laughs> no, no, no. Right, just skip to the issue. No, no, well, no. no I, well, two things. One, it's listen to you like describe this stuff. I'm now realizing most of my favorite Usher songs are always the jams. That like were not singles. So like my favorite jam of Confessions is Follow Me. Yep. Like that's the fucking one. Yeah. I mean, I mean the other songs. I mean, it's got dope so that, shit on there. So Follow Me is um That's a mark of a true artist though. Like yeah. it's never the hits, it's the filler that Yo, but it was the jam. It, it was so strategic, you know what I'm saying? And, and LA was a master at that shit, rather it was in Atlanta or rather it was pulling so a little bit. So is he a good of, record man? He's the greatest record man. And is it because, but he, you're he, also on Arista Records. So do you have any relationship to Clive Davis whatsoever? At that time? I mean, period. I mean, you were on Arista that I was on time. Arista Record at that time, but I was L.A. Reid's artist. You know what I'm saying? So so there's Ar- not a point where Arista he's and Lefe- trying to remove L.A. and here's like- the gra- Here's the greatest reality. That was the greatest moment and the worst moment that could ever happen to L.A. Reid. Because- Why? Because L.A. Reid's ambition was to come to New York and to leave the legacy of what Atlanta had created. And while there was some there was some great shit that happened in it, I think that that legacy belonged to him. And I think that he should have never left Atlanta because Atlanta lost everything when it lost L.A. Reid. It gained a lot in terms of confidence because Atlanta ain't ever lacked in confidence in being able to kind of be installated by its own world. And it's just this this inflated sense of delusion that 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 comes from that place that makes whatever you say the shit. <laughs> and you believe it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, being as though he believed in you from he, the very beginning, like, what is your relationship with him like? Is he the Barry Gordy father figure that you kind of didn't have or like, or is he just it really? Suit? It really all depends on what day. You know what I'm saying? But he's... <laughs> But he's well but, when he's mad at you, like what, just, what is it? He's ne- he's never really mad at me. You know what I'm saying? I don't really give you a reason to be upset with me and then hold on to it. You know what I'm saying? I just seen him in a spin class in in uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> he sat next to me. I was busting his ass. But um, you know, we've we have a real odd relationship because, you know, he in his transition, um, I've always wanted to be supportive of him and I've always lifted him up because I believe in supporting you know, black executives and also to being supportive. Now, I had a deal. This is the craziest. This is how much I believe in supporting black, like, business and also to black entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So I had a deal with um, Clive Davis. 
Like, I actually formed my own relationship with Clive. And he actually supported a lot of my business, a lot of my business venture. You know, I wanted to have a record label. Of course, I mean, who wouldn't give me a record label with all the money that I made for them? You know what I'm saying? But but the point was, he he probably should have been the person to have collected or either been the recipient of Justin Bieber. But mm. I took him. Yes, you did. To L.A. Reed because yes. the legacy of what that represents needed to stay intact. You know what I'm saying? So wow. So, but 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 greater than that, it's like I just think he should have never left Atlanta, man. You know, and I know it's hard because Atlanta's. You know, if you look back at it now, it's like, damn. Well, I want to be able to do more, so I got to go to L.A. I got to move other places. It's Miami, like the Motown kind of yeah. Like but he had it. Was you Confessions know what I'm the last thing he worked on? That was the last record he worked on. It should be noted that um, Confessions also represents to me probably the last product that people purchased. The last blockbuster. Yeah, yeah because I th- I mean, at this, what was the final numbers? Like 11 million? It was like 20. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I know in hindsight, it probably sold 11, 12 million, but... In the states, right? <laughs> Nigga, talk to him. <laughs> Only. Not talking Are you stunning on my own? All right, listen, talk to listen. Petty ten to grass. <laughs> okay, okay, talk okay. To him. I'm, just, I'm just saying that at the time when Confessions is out in you know on wax, what 2003, 2004. You know there was a nine next to that triangle in Billboard, which you know. After that period, after 2004, it's a wrap. Like, people are now, You'll like... you never see that shit the again. The internet is... Well, with... Uh, uh, Spotify. Spotify, and, you know... Napster. I think maybe it was Nelly and me. That was it. That was the last two. But did you expect for you to be the final... That final... Like, in the final tornado of what we know as the music business, the old music business? Like, you're the you're the period at the end of that sentence. Nah, straight up. I think that all things, right, are inevitably going to come to an end. Nothing is going to last forever. And I think that record companies really did take it, uh, take for granted the uh, the potency of what was getting ready to happen. I think they looked at it as, all right, we'll give you these free goods because it just gives us an opportunity to exploit and promote you know, our product. But they didn't realize that you know, and they this was crazy. I can remember the time when they were taking the meetings to go to go to Arister and other record companies to try to partner with them. Get in front of it, yeah. They wanted to partner with them and they were like, Nah, we don't want to partner with you. We have our own solution. We you know we're gonna continue to create content. You guys just do your thing. You know, it's just a little mm-hmm. server, what you got, whatever, it's it's done. It's gonna die. Right. Fifteen years Eric, later. Right. It's like now the it's done. Okay, so, right. so now... How that, did it feel to be the last? That's the question you asked, right? Well, so, not that, but, like, at the rate where it's like, okay, it was $7 million, now it's $9 million. Oh, shit, now it's eleven. Oh, crap, now it's $13 million. What are you feeling? Pressure. Pressure to live back up to what that. What is that like? The pressure of living up to that? Like, did you expect this album to sell $13 million? I didn't expect to sell $13 million, you know, but I, but I, I, I expected to, you know try to speak to the next chapter of what my life was because everything had been about creating the chapters 
of what it was, not to go back to what worked before, you know, and even that meant that meant, you know, not working with some of the same producers, you know what I'm saying? And and leaving the door open for a new opportunity, a new a new story. So when you have a record like that, one thing that I've, I've always wanted to ask, like there's you talk about the pressure. Yeah. But is there a point where you just have just like I guess kind of common sense where it's just like, you know what? This is never going to happen again. Like kind of like, you know, we talk about Prince a lot where he had Purple Rain and he's performing for like a bunch of white audiences and like he's doing stadiums and you know all this shit and he tells his band like listen y'all just soak this up now I'm a good hippie yeah like this shit is never gonna happen again like do you have that thought of like there's no way artistically I may top this album but sales wise like who the fuck is gonna sell 13 million albums twice yeah if there's anything in hindsight that I do wish is that I would have exploited that moment a little bit more why it was happening. How so? What would you have done? I mean, just more business, more... I was trying my hardest to just kind of build a conglomerate around me, you know, and probably made some decisions being overly ambitious and losing people who were very, uh, very important in the structure of who I was. But also, too, I was moving into a space where I began to care more about business. And I, and I had a better understanding and comprehensive, uh, comprehensive, you know, idea of how the industry was growing. And I needed like-minded think, uh, thinkers or people around around me. And um, you know, I you know, I just but I would have, man. I, I can remember the last show. The last show for Confessions, I was on the Truth Tour. I had Kanye West opening up for me. And um yep. I um I was in Puerto Rico. Okay. And I had this promoter, he was like, Yo, you gotta come to South America. You gotta you know, you've done Europe, you've done America, you know. You got to do Australia. You got to do South America. You got to do Asia. And I was like, man, I'm really tired. Like I really have like bust my ass, and I work hard. So I, I and I was having real, real, really, really bad back problems. So I was like, I, I gotta just, I gotta go sit down. And a day that I don't wish I would have fucking kept going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, shit. But I mean, and my numbers are good. You know what I'm saying? Right, but, right. but, but that moment and what that meant, you know, it was. It's it's it actually is my personality. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm never the guy who's going to rest in the success of the moment. I just can't do it. You know what I mean? I, I'm not. I'm never. Um, I don't want to be complacent. I have become a little bit complacent in times around you know the type of the type of work and focus that I put around what I was doing, okay. and used other aspects to just kind of you know do creative shit. But for the most part, I never. I can't just rest in a moment. I'm like, okay, so what's next? I like, wait a minute, let's exploit the shit out of this moment. Out of this moment, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Let's let's go build a fucking clothing line. Shit, we can choose <laughs> clothes. Wait, confessions, confessions, the, the, right. the fragrance. You know what I'm saying? Confessions by Calvin Klein. <laughs> right, right. But wait, I mean, how much more could you exploit it? Because confessions, what, six oh, singles, man. seven singles. I mean, in terms of music. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna create another album, but I could have, I could have went to. I never, I have never toured South America. Never. I have never. Even still toured, to this day. Still to this day. It's a lot wow. of money. Hey, Usher, guess what? Let's yeah. go to South America. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever? So, what are the continents that you haven't done? You haven't done Australia either. Still. Yeah, I've done Australia. Okay. Tons of time. And then you oh. went to. I mean, I know you went for your own, but have you done Africa at all? Yes, I did Africa. Oh. I did tour Africa. Um, I'm not really toured Asia. Um, what's I your did. what's your favorite places to travel? Like as far as like you get excited to go, like what's a good city? 
Like for me, major cities suck. Major cities suck. Well, in, I love in, Paris. In, in our, I know that the sounds off simple. Cities you can kind of get. Yeah, it the off, off cities more. are the best cities. You can experiment. I think the roots don't overthink it, and we just have fun. There's something really incredible about Paris, man. Like I really do enjoy Paris, and once I got married, man. I begin to enjoy all the places that I that I go more because now I got a significant other that really does understand how to enjoy life and how to make sure that I and my kids enjoy life. So your your family travels with you on the road now? Yeah, well, they did. <laughs> they don't anymore. Oh. I actually haven't traveled in a long time, bro. Like, I, it's been a minute since I've been on tour. Uh, and the last one that I went on, uh, they were with me. Okay. okay. But, um, you know, yeah, it's it's... There's a handful of places like, and I'm really looking forward to going uh, to Zanzibar. I love Africa. Um, let me see, uh, Marrakesh. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I really, I really enjoy it there. Cuba, Cuba, son, Cuba. Now not yeah. later, right? Now <laughs> no, not later. Always. I mean, even then, no, Cuba like, there's, is the there's so shit. much you got to do. I know, that. but I mean, like now, not later, right? Cause, yeah, now. Yeah. 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 Right now. Okay, so I feel silly because as much traveling as I do and as many Airbnbs that I stay in because that's the only way I travel, I really have never considered my own space. I mean, think about it. What if you can make money for your next vacation while you're on vacation? And I know what you're thinking. You're like, my house is just not fancy enough. I just can't do the things. You're sleeping on your space. I'm sleeping on my space. Yes, I'm talking to myself. And I really don't even have to use my whole place. I could just Airbnb a room. I know how this works. Because again, I use Airbnb. Duh. I mean, just think about it. Most of us that use Airbnb are only using it for 50% of its power. We're spending the money, but we're not making the money. What if we could do both? Whoa. Mind-blowing. And your home really might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh. You got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus. Hmm. How's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower 
power further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we're talking to Usher Raymond, the family man. <laughs> who is yet to go to no I'm playing um, I I feel like oh, I I would be remiss uh, if remiss I'm sorry there's no T on remiss boss Bill it's all good bro we got you yes I was, I was remiss <laughs> <laughs> by Calvin that bitch said she missed me that yeah, put that pinky up put that pinky up that bitch said she missed me I left her again and I was remiss <laughs> 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 okay, uh, that was fantastic. Side side note about your your spouse. Um, any any time I'm in Gracie's presence, mm-hmm. there's not twenty people that uh, I'd run to and point that your wife is Benita Applebaum. Absolutely, she hates <laughs> great 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 Gracie used to be my product manager at. Universal. She's gonna fucking kill you, dude. (laughs) Come on, dude. I mean, I I feel like it's a badge of honor as as far as being I mean so so displaying hip hop wife, She was the one Gracie is literally the yes, she's literally the The person who inspired Benita Apple. Benita Applebaum. Wow. She has and, a lovely backside. Is she, oh, I didn't want to <laughs> go I, there, man. I, well, as a woman, I would just like to say I know you removed the pick, but I saw the pick. I appreciate the pick. I couldn't help it. And wow. Neither can I. But she yes. obviously. Oh, but she uh, she fucking killed me. I know she did. I know yeah. she did, but tell her it's Nigga, okay that, because that, it was that, artistic. Okay. It was artistic. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't the full. So what what's crazy is that I got all that. That that grief behind it, but you know it's yeah. it's okay. We appreciate it. No, I, 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 <laughs> don't do I it. Don't Grace, do it. I mean, yeah, I know. I'm not even playing the. Head <laughs> with yourself. Yeah. No, but I, 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 like no, I've worked with Gracie for the longest, and she's one of the like. I think she's one of the best things to happen to you. I'm in love with my wife. Dude. Ooh, we love your wife good. too. I'm like your respectfully. best friend. Yeah, man, I'm in yes. love with her dude. She's what did so- you learn from the first marriage going into the second marriage? <laughs> And this is also the divorce <laughs> clubs here, so you're you're amongst yeah, yeah, company. Yeah, yeah, yeah brother. Y'all make it a three. Every t- yeah, yeah, we got to come mm. on. What did I learn? I, I mean, it might <laughs> pay attention to my next album. Nah, but I mean, <laughs> it's like you can write a book on that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I heard Raymond versus Raymond. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, well, yeah. I, can you get too confessional? Like, nah. What does "Hear My Dear" mean to you, as far as everything? Everything, the honesty in the music is 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 beautiful. I mean, it's it's the it's the curator and the holder of our greatest emotions. You know what I'm saying? Both good and bad. You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of people are hurting, or and a lot of people that are looking for guidance in music. And we don't realize how much like one simple message 
you know, nah, it might not sell a whole bunch of albums, but it could be one person's life that that shit just, you know, saves. Or Both one person them, yeah. that's just like trying to figure out, man, should I do this? Should I be here? How should I be living my life? And that, you know, but um, yeah, man, you can't, you can't overdo it at all. Be honest. Be truthful. You got to tell you, the truth. When, when you, you talk about, um, you know, uh, in, in papers, he was like, you know, I damn near lost my mama. What did your mom think? about your first wife did you get and this is the reason i'm asking this did she give you the like no don't do this like how, what did she did she i mean like we her? much it's the funniest shit in the world is how we could go through all this shit right my mom she she wouldn't show up at my first wedding that i canceled she wouldn't show up at the second one she didn't fuck with my ex-wife she didn't want to have nothing to do with her but she did want to have something to do with the kids of course and then they fuck up and they fucking end up best friends I'm like, so your mom and the ex-wife are now cool? Nah, they cool. I don't know if they best. They got their own odd relationship. Oh, okay, you know I'll take it back. <laughs> but they, but they, but they're friends from the from the perspective that she at least talks to her now, and they actually are cool, which okay. which is helpful. Progress. I mean, some progress. I mean, that's a lot for her too, man. She like, she like nails. You know what I'm saying? Your like, mom, boy. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I always wonder who's harder. Like, your I love mom her for who Sonya. she is. No, I, absolutely, she very protective love her of you. For who she is? You Ooh. wouldn't be your mom. Was she very protective? Like yeah, she, I mean, I'm a grown ass man now, so she can't really, you know. Uh, it but, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> <laughs> no matter. But Click she, clap. yeah, she's gonna always be extremely protective of me. Probably too. You know what I'm saying? Well, I know your, I know your pin game is okay. Not to play on the the pun of confessional, but I'm sure by this period, at least between the period of here, I stand. Yeah. Raymond versus Raymond versus and and the four albums that uh, that yeah. fought. Just real quick, here I stand. I I'm, I may you know I'm making like a big. These are big words to me. That is his secret life of plans. Like dog. That... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, like that was, and so I want to hit on that a little bit because to me that was a record, and this is just from outside an unappreciated. Like you, cause you had kind of did like you were doing like some EDM stuff. Or I think that was I think before that you had, had a couple. No. Was that when DJ? No, that was that was, it was after. It was after that. It so was like there was none of that. That that record was pure. Right. And if, there's, if there's any album, did you rush it? Because my when I first got, I think I got service with the white label. I don't know if this ain't sex or I got service with the white label. This ain't sex was on it. Yeah. Right. And then that got can't and. It's not that I rushed it. It's like they had an idea. And of you what, had Get Right first, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They they understood what it was that worked. I was being honest in where I was. So not being considerate of what I knew would work, I went with what I knew was real. So, I mean, that's a compromise. And, and yeah, it didn't sell as many albums, but it's the most truthful album that I think I have. In terms of a cohesive thought from top to bottom, no, yeah, it's I honest. Agree. It's like, and it's probably my vulnerable. It's it's my most vulnerable. Kind the of title track is a mother. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Mm, that's the one when you were talking about songs and lyrics moving people. I was like, I thought about here I stand. I was like, oh. So was that your? It wasn't therapy cool. in t- in terms of. It wasn't cool to have a wife. You know what I'm saying? And and at that time, and I was like, but I do. And if y'all don't fuck with that, then that's cool. You know what I'm saying? But eventually you're going to get it. You're going to get that party because you can't party forever. You're going to eventually have to go home and you want to go home with somebody that you want to be with. The ladies got it. 
Yeah. Because they wanted it. Well, some some of them. And then some of them <laughs> just was like, I don't want you to be married, Usher, especially to her. You <laughs> but know I what want saying? somebody to marry me, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, the reality of it that, you know, that that marriage and that relationship, you know, was going to come to an end or what it was. But it served its purpose in my life. And I think I became appreciative of that. You know what I'm saying? And no matter what my mother was attempting to tell me, and a lot of people were trying to tell me about that, I think a lot of it had to do with my lack there of a father. You know what I'm saying? Like when I got into the idea of what I didn't want to be, I did not want to be a person who would just, you know what I'm saying, just roll out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, anybody could do that. But, you know, and I tried. You know what I'm saying? I tried everything that I could before I decided to, you know, throw in the towel. I mean, should I even try it afterwards? Probably broke a lot of girls' hearts still fucking around. But, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, it was, it was a phase that would, that needed to happen. So part of the evolution. It was a part of the evolution. And then in that, I, I began to understand what I really wanted and the kind of partner that I needed and the kind of support that I needed for my life. She showed up. Damn. Yeah. Showed up when I wasn't even looking to. It's just You ain't even asked for. I pray this is the, the this, this is talk about here's the reality. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going through a lot, you know what I'm saying? I was like, it was at the point where I was like living out of my office. Like I ain't never want to go home. I just wanted to just like <laughs> just be there. You know what I'm saying? And didn't want to go home because what you just didn't want to face that like being alone or I, it's just I I just I ain't wanted yeah I I didn't I, no I didn't want to be there. I just did not want to be at the crib by myself. I just was fucked up, man. I was so like, you're I a workaholic that. No, nah, I wasn't yourself even, in the work. I wasn't so even that, working at that time. I was like, I'm gonna just. By this time, Raymond versus Raymond was out. So, yeah, but I, but then you know, after I got a divorce, it was like, man, like I put it all on the line. You know what I'm saying? And and this is the right thing to do. I did it for all of the right reasons. I wasn't trying to get like some odd respect for what I was doing. I was just doing what was honest and what was about the art. And I began to understand the idea of the art at that moment um but I didn't want to I didn't I didn't want it you know what I'm saying I didn't I didn't want to face none of it because I felt like I don't know man I felt like shit I just put my neck out there way too much it didn't work we didn't jail really uh, public yeah it was really really public you know what I'm saying and it was what it was but I, anyway I tell you my story so my grandmother was like you know you should just you should pray I was like what do I pray for she was like I want you to pray for grace and I was like, okay, I'm gonna just pray for grace because this moment is just hard to get through this. You know what I'm saying? Like I just it's a lot. And um I prayed and she showed up. That's <laughs> I don't have a good sound effect for that. That's all I got. That's all I got. Loaded. I can't yeah, I can't. Oh God. Um yeah. I got why they don't make a sound. Well, uh, here you go. Um, R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, my you, raps will destroy you. <laughs> you, you mentioned him earlier, but you know, I, I feel as though the, the significance of you being behind uh, one of one of pop music's biggest stars Mentor. and the route that you took him, Bieber Valley. I mean, not since Mari Starr taking mm-hmm. New Kids on the Block yes. and. Orchestrating their career. How did you manage to gain the trust of the Beavers and 
have them listen to you and and for you to take them because you know sometimes when you get an artist it doesn't necessarily you know work out as planned like if you if you could look at all the artists that have oh i have a new protege and you're gonna you know sometimes it just doesn't work and there was a war from what we heard between you and justin timberlake to where's he gonna go where's he gonna go right yeah wait timberlake was in the picture too. yes there's a lot of people who i did not know this there were a lot of people who had interest in Justin. I think that, you know, Scooter, you know, once he found uh, Justin online, he began to kind of shop him around Atlanta, you know, because he wanted to get with a specific type of artist from Atlanta. He wanted to have like some credibility. And I was at the top of the list, but he and I were at odds. He and I, we had had You and some, Scooter, you and Justin? Me and Scooter. Okay. I ain't know Justin yet. Okay. So uh, he and I were at odds, but there was a conversation about this kid that Scooter was shopping around. You know, you know they say, success has a million fathers. There ain't enough people that I could think, you know. Failures who and were, orphan. Right, and failures and orphan. There's not enough people. I never heard of that idiom in my life. Oh. <laughs> success has a million fathers and failures and orphan. This is literally the first time I ever heard that term. Yeah. Quest Love Supreme on Pandora. Wow. <laughs> you, got sound, you got a sound effect for that? No, I don't. <laughs> someone fail, I feel like someone failed me by not giving me that. Uh, you loaded. Yeah. <laughs> I learned on Quest Love Supreme. Ding. So wait, what is it one more time? Success, Success has a million fathers. fathers and failures an orphan. Okay. I'll, I'll marinate on that. No, but, um, you know, he and I really didn't, we weren't, we weren't seeing eye to eye. And it was over some, it was like $15,000 or some shoot, some stupid shit like that had happened back in the day when he was promoting clubs. And So you had a relationship with Scooter before? I had a relationship with Scooter way before. Oh, what was he? Like who? He worked with Jermaine Dupri. Uh, and he uh, also to work with Ludacris. You can go back and look at Ludacris. So he's from Atlanta? He was in Atlanta. I think okay. he, was, he was at Emory at the time. I've only heard of Scooter once Justin came on the scene, so I didn't realize that he existed as... A business person before, you know. Yep. Okay. So, but he was actually managing an artist by the name of Asher Roth at the time. Hey. So I love really? college. Yeah. Well, Pennsylvania, yeah. but still, so, I claim him. So he he introduced Asher Roth, and he had this kid that he was interested in, but he didn't really know what to do with him. So he was, you know, kind of shopping him around. He had Justin interested uh, interested in him. You know, they were trying to get the kid. And he was like, but I really want to, you know, I really want to fuck with Usher. So I think that um, it was Terrence Carter, who was my road manager at the time. My homeboy was with me, Keith Thomas. Um, Sherry Hughley, or Sherry Riley now. By the way, incredible book, uh, Exponential Life. She just introduced that book. I wrote the forward in it. So y'all, y'all check that out. But um, okay. Expon- Exponential Life. Anyway, um, no, Exponential Living, my bad. So anyway, um, all of these people are like, Yo, you need to meet this kid. And I'm like, well, who is he? They're like, you know, he's he's, he's just a special kid and everybody's trying to get at him. He's, you know, he's a little white kid that Scooter got and everybody love him. I'm like, all right, man, look. I said, you know, I'm cool, man. I'm just, I, I don't want to be in business with dude because I'm just, you know, we I, we just had words. We almost came to blows one time because we just kind of, we angry at each other. So um, I decided that I was going to, no, I, I was going to the studio and this little kid comes out of the studio at JD's studio. And I'm like, okay, what's up? He's like, hi, hi, I'm, I'm the kid they've been telling you about. I'm Justin Bieber. I'm like, well, nice to meet you, Justin. He said, can I sing for you? I was like, no, you can't. <laughs> right. See, that's how it 
always and should work. <laughs> yeah. So I said, no. I said, but what I will do is I'll reach out to your manager and make some time maybe to meet you sometime. Cool? He's like, yeah. I said, if it's meant to happen, then I'll see you again. He's like, okay, cool. So I went in the studio and- um, Did you have intent on really seeing him again? No. Yo, that's real, yo. I didn't. That's real as shit. I I didn't because I still was like, you know, I don't want to, I don't even want to invest in it. But it was it was two things. Do you One, believe in that? No, it was it wasn't that I didn't plan on seeing him again. I didn't plan on rushing to hit uh to to, to call Scooter. Cause I seen him and I saw it. I was like I was like, no, nah, this kid got something. So I was like, but I'm good. <clears throat> so I went in the studio and I was like, you know, I mean, who was that kid? And they were like, Oh man, that's some some artist that Scooter got. I was like, Y'all gonna do anything with that kid? And they're like, nah, man, just, I was like, cool. So then I walked out after my session and um, I played, because I then looked on, once I saw the kid, I went and looked him online. I was like, oh, this kid, he got something. So then I called my homie. I was like, yo, man, y'all were right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I went home, showed it to my wife at the time, and Perry Reed was there. And she was like, Pebbles. Pebble, Pebble, she was like, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I don't really fuck with him like that. You know what I'm saying? I just, I don't even want to get in the business because it's going to be, she's like, if you don't sign this artist, you are the stupidest person ever. <laughs> are you really? crazy? So I was like, for real? She's like, yeah. I was like, I get it. She says, yeah, you can get past all that. You should get past all that for this artist because he needs you. So I then reached out to Scooter. Um, he was like, all right, cool. We had to fly fly his mom, him, him and his mom back down to Atlanta. Um, he came to my studio the next day. He sang for me. And uh, I was like, you know, let's take a picture because this will be a part of history. If it was intended for it to happen. Then it will happen, right? He was like, yeah, cool. So that night I was like, listen, there ain't nobody else that you could have this art, uh, work with this artist with. I'm the guy, period. You know, if you, he was like, well, I got Justin in, you know, interested. They put, you know, put something on the deal. I said, I'm not going to put nothing on the table. I said, it's on you to make the right decision. But be clear, there can only be one Justin. Ooh. Damn. Ooh, nah, I'm doing nah, my own. dead ass, though. Straight up. 100%. Shade. Wait, can I ask? <laughs> but no, that's real. And, I'm, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm literally going against my, my rules of the show to not be sensationalist and okay. gossipy. But I never asked, like, what is your standing with your contemporaries like i'm I'm just saying with us it's like okay i'm i'm down with common i'm down with most and you know my contemporaries like are you are you beefing with chris brown i got beef with no how could i be beefing <laughs> no with he's chris? been it was a joke, yeah, was a right, joke. Right, right, right. yeah i was about to say <laughs> i mean come on like who else is singing and dancing like usher no, Chris, I just Chris meant Brown's like closest, I don't so. know what you're. Really, I've never seen you and I'm gonna Justin tell you go I'm gonna tell you to the now movies I'm, together. Now, or listen, so there's there's always those stories, those things that people say. Well, damn, I wish I had had you know been smarter, been at the right time, not passed up on this artist, not do this thing, not do that. Right. So there's one thing in my career that I I, I definitely regret. One thing. What? And to this day, I, I I battle with it, which is why I always show support for this artist whenever he asks, and I'm, I've always kind of like. It ended up being more of a relationship. There's a reason why I'm drawing it out like this anyway. But um The roots. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um Mark Pitts comes to me 
And he's like, I got this artist. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm just really focused on myself. Right? And he's like, I know that, but I got this artist that I really think you should see. And I want him to be your first artist. So I'm like, all right, well, let me see him. So his manager comes in. They have him, you know, kind they show him to me. I meet him. I was doing this album at the time. They want him to perform on this album. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. But I, I just, I didn't get it. <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't get it. I was, I was a bit like, I'm gonna be honest. I was intimidated. Let me get the sound. Hold on, ready. hold on. Listen, I, I was intimidated by what it meant to move to the place of mentoring artists and not be the artist. Right. So I felt like I don't want to fuck that up, and I don't want to stop what I think I'm doing right now. And and do it too early. It was a it was a mature thing, but not clear. You know what I'm saying? And then I went to I went to my team and I was like, I really want to work with this artist. And they was like, I don't think you should do it. I don't think you should, you know, you don't think you should work with this artist. Um and then he left. <laughs> wait. 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 Whoa. All right, I got my sound effect ready. Who? Chris Brown. <laughs> Wait, he's Mark Pitts' artist. He was Mark, he was Mark Pitts' artist at the time. But I just think it's like when I think about all of if the you things, had a chance to, mold, do you even think you would have had an impact? I'm just trying to tell you if yeah. Well, that makes sense because Chris Brown really was like the next in lineage of Bobby Brown. He he Bobby Beige, so <laughs> it's like he's the next. No, that would make Yo, sense. You had that, that, that one would... in the chamber. No, it makes sense why they would reach out to you to yeah. I, I get it. I... Wow. But I passed, man. So so if so had you Well, okay, not... now in hindsight, do you feel you were why because the, the, here's the thing i think that every artist has something to go through all right because if you, you even look at the success of what justin is right because like they, they they went through similar shit yeah. but the, but the reality is having the right people around having the right support that changes the dynamic of how it pans out you're in an anomaly though because i just really it does but it's one more factor. i don't believe i mean i don't believe i don't believe, <laughs> in, I don't believe <laughs> an artist being i don't believe an artist being their own managers and I know there's a grip. Yeah, I, I know there's a grip of artists that are in my inbox, in my DM on Twitter, and all over. There's a ton of shit that I would have. I've listened dude. to four things in my life, and I got lucky with it. And I'm not saying I'm responsible for Jill, or whatever. But it's like Jill, Slum Village, Bilal. I don't. Maybe there's one Cody, I guess. But I've made a life of avoiding that moment. Why are you smiling? I'm smiling at Bill. Please don't look at me. Why are you smiling? You were just like, I guess. Yeah, because Cody was a real person. We were just like, yeah, it's Cody. Well, so. no, no, no. I mean, I don't know what the the, the level of... Sec- it's intimidating to get out of the comfort zone of where you are and begin to have the responsibility of other people, man. It's a oh, lot, man. man. It's a it's lot. Like I just think artists this. make horrible business. Like, you're either going to be yes. a business person or you're right. going to be an artist. And and listen, off Very the, off the heels of having three artists that didn't necessarily fly, you know what I'm saying? I You know, I, I was... I, I, I had a label. the previous three. It was an artist by the name of Melinda Santiago, a group by the name of um, One Chance and Rico Love. Those were my first three artists. Rico Love. That's I right. was about yeah. to say. I knew that. I forgot. <laughs> Fonte knows. And, and think. I yeah. mean that that ended up panning out to be a great investment because 
I felt something different in him. I was like, I just think that you were an incredible writer. Like, and this is not a discredit to who you are, but you, you really do know your way around melodies and you know your way around storytelling. So you should be a writer. He was like, instead of artist. Okay. It's like, let's, let's just, let's focus on. So I went and got him a publishing deal and. You know, hey. Yep. Okay. So I, that's why I feel like, had you taken on Chris, do you think he would have listened to you? Yep. I do. You know, Prince actually went on record to, you know, in, in, in lieu of his death. Uh, he kind of sort of went public in saying that he really wanted to mentor Chris Brown. And, you know, but I don't know. I don't think Prince would have. I don't think Chris yeah, would have listened to Prince. Gonna be no like, that's too, that's too far I just feel like there's a difference between generations and the post can't tell me nothing. Nah, totally. Syndrome would have, would have. Yeah, I think us would have been like his Bobby Brown. I mean, like that would have been, you know, it was around I still think thing. I am. Yeah, but man. I think Bobby yeah. Brown was the aggressor in the situation a, it where it ain't I a think matter, that- it ain't a matter of was, I still am. And that's why I'm consistent and I am a great friend of his, even through the complication and all of the shit. So like, do you mentor him now? I mean, as much as he'll allow it. <laughs> as much as I can. I mean, like, who a, are you close to now that you're not connected to business-wise that they, you know, you're their... 1 a.m. call, like, yo, man, like, I need some advice on some, like, who? I mean, it could be, it's a ton of, like, business people and uh, uh, young entrepreneurs, people whom I just make myself available for. Here's the reality, right? If we really want to begin to remedy some of the issues that we have, we got to be more disciplined ourselves to be people who share mm-hmm. our information. I, I had this conversation with everybody and I ain't talking about just mentoring people in your company or because it's a company duty and responsibility to do that shit. No, find people to mentor and talk to them, bring them together, create groups, talk to them as a collective because you got insight and offer that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm really tired of the reality of, of what we are, what we are and how behind we are. And the fact that we don't allow ourselves to come together because we just don't come together. We're not community. We're not community oriented. We, we don't, share. We, don't share. we think that it's better to continue to climb individually mm-hmm. and not as a collective. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think now I will insert the modern day ATL question that I was kind of saving as a snowball earlier. But the climate that is Atlanta now. Which very very active, right? Almost at, at its at least its commercial peak. Okay, okay. I don't know about creative peak. Of course, that could be ageism, old ageism. Me yeah. speaking, a little bit. But are you are you the character and things fall apart that? is looking at the land and kind of have a, a single tear in your eye. Like what's going, are you a stranger on a strange land, Changing which is your, country, right. yeah. When you see the environment that is Atlanta now, like, are you relating to this stuff? Do you want to be politically correct and be like, well, Quincy Jones uh, is in, you know, has embraced a, an, another generation or like, what is your feeling towards 
at least Atlanta. Why don't you just say it exactly what, say it, nigga. Like, this is what he does. Is this what he, like, just say it. Like, I'm, I'm I'll answer too. How do you feel <laughs> about the ever-changing environment of what Atlanta is now? Compared to what it was 20 years ago. By the way, it's always been that. It just needed a curator, a person who could bring it all together and create some integrity in it. And um, Well, what I was leading to is, are you now L.A. Reed? And are you realizing that you now need to be L.A. Reed of Atlanta? Or is that too a lofty of an idea? It's not too lofty of an idea because in theory, yeah, that might... That might have some, I may, there may be some influence in that to the people who are looking at what my career is. But what I'm talking about is more significant than just being one man who comes and takes advantage of all of the talent that's there and brings it together. I'm talking about a collective. I'm talking about a group of people who decide that our business is important, a group of people who understand that our culture is important and there's a way to introduce it. And yes, it does take. But it starts with one man. Right. But No, but it starts with a collective of people being on the same page because ain't nothing worse than having a plan and then you have other people compromising your efforts. Which is going to be the case, period, but it can't happen from inside. You know what I'm saying? If you have, if, if if we can just come together, man, and just start, like, supporting each other, not just getting on the record with each other, but, like, really helping and engaging each other and understand that the idea of growth is in sharing. If you got $500,000 or $2 million, that ain't shit, man. You got you to gotta tell these kids, like, look, you think you got something, but you ain't got nothing yet. It's not until you begin to bring all that shit together, aggregate, and then it and then build. Are and they listening to you? They slowly but surely listening. But I'm only one person. I'm only one person doing my part in it. And, and in a perfect world, but who, you need who but you, you need, gathering. Who are you gathering to? In 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 a perfect world, who what figures are you gathering, at least locally, to at least make this a, a semblance of. A reality. It's a common conversation with everybody that I come in contact with. It ain't just one person. It's people who are in business. That's the one thing that Atlanta has to have, right? In order to be respected as a major city and in business and culturally, it has to bring all of those elements together in order to make it. And that's oddly what L.A. Reid was able to do at that time. The dynamic of what it is and what success is, it's changed. That's a totally different game now. It's, yeah. it's changed. So now you got to figure out, okay, you know, do you get politics? So it's a matter of getting Kasim Reed in the room, you know, managing to get Tyler Perry. Yeah. Ty- oh, saw. Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, that was a no. paradigm shift in the I, room. I meant because there's a lot of property. He has it's big. Yeah. Uh, is he a presence or is he just a studio in Atlanta? Nah, Tyler Perry is most certainly a presence, but there's is more. Is he active in the community? community yeah. Or you don't know? I'm not certain. He know. <clears throat> Who know? Nah, I ain't gonna bite my tongue. I'm not that guy. Okay. I, I know, no, I ain't that guy. And, and you're in the community, so I yeah. keep looking in the right to make sure the jaw is not gonna stop this. Yes. <laughs> nah, nah, it's 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 not that. Th- there's a certain expectation that comes with stepping into that space. And no one person wants to compromise what they have in order to do it. So it's like what we were talking about getting, earlier. Yeah, getting people to understand that. As a collective, if you come together, if you bring it all together, you're stronger. And then you don't have to compromise anything. 
Right, but it's that one person who's going to step out and take the chance with the other person, and who's. But why not? It be Atlanta's the home of like black wealth right now in that entertainment. Is it still? Way. And inter, I just mean in the entertainment type way. It is, is not in an opportunistic way because you see a city that's growing. Like we we can, I mean, but is it really? But do about, you feel there's a is real it really community a, in Atlanta right now? As it at least I was perceived. I thought between. Between '84 with people Bryson and 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 Cameo and that class of Atlanta right. and Brick, like the arm between that first migration between '79 and '84 of all these artists moving to Atlanta, and to when you guys were the New Jacks between '88 and '95, I always felt that there was a community. Like Eric Sermon's, like yeah. yo, so I'm moving to Atlanta. Like everybody was moving to Atlanta. Is there a community still, or is it just like every man for himself and every man for himself? Because there's no formula, there's no business, um, there, there's no Clarence Avant in Atlanta. Mm. Mm. Okay, I'll straight up ask you: Do you desire the stress and the headaches and the gray hair and the sacrifice of your personal career to try to be that Clarence Avon? I'm not trying to be Clarence Avon, though. We should probably explain who Clarence Avon is. For Bill, who's Clarence Avon? That's Taboo Records. <laughs> this is your show, too. And Clarence Avon was the guy who uh, he found his... First of all, Sussex. 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 Sussex, which was Bill the home Withers. of Bill Withers. Fonte, go ahead and finish. Nah, I mean, we have, well, you <laughs> know, my regret about Clarence <laughs> Avon, Sussex, there's Sussex Records, Tabby Records. Records. My, my regret about him is that I feel as though the way he was painted in uh, the documentary, uh, uh, Searching for Sugar Man, Searching for Sugar Man, really painted him in a bad, bad light. light. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel his, you know, when we get to the Jam and Lewis episode, you know, you'll see how important next to Don Cornelius and Be- Be- uh, Barry Man, Gordy he was like one of the most important and Stan Latham like you know he's part of the power four that actually had power and resources in the 60s and 70s to make shit happen yeah and so you know if you had a problem you went to Clarence Avant's to smooth it out you know he's almost like music industries Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton, like be to go to guy to smooth shit out. But everybody comes to Atlanta to take the piece of it, but they don't leave the structure that helps to continue to build it. Well, He's same, learning though. the Black Lily lesson. I was about to say that's Philly too. <laughs> He's listen. learning the Black Lily lesson. At least more people, at least more people stay and build their wealth in Atlanta because that's like one of the you know that's the difference between but Philly and Atlanta. Because now I'm here, in North Carolina might be the new spot. I mean, it- for sports people, it's Phoenix. Like, I'm here, I, I now, like, a, there was a point where Atlanta was, like, the place to move, but then, you know, it got overpriced, and now right. it's hard to maintain a life there. Now I hear Atlanta people going elsewhere, to the Carolinas, to, yeah, you know, to start all it's over happening. again. No, it's happening. It's happening. So, you know, it's, I know I know it's sacrificial. So. In, in some sense, yeah. Where do you, where do you see, what's your next step? I'm not saying your last step, but what's your next step? Uh, I really do want to make an album with y'all. <laughs> Questlove Supreme? Talk about it. Yeah, I, I feel... Oh, okay, for those that don't know, um, when when the Roots do the Roots Picnic, 
uh, our annual festival in Philadelphia. Um, we like to do collaborative community based projects because, you know, we feel as though that's really the spirit of Philadelphia, the, the collaboration spirit. That's where the roots really shine. We're working with other people. And, um, I'll say that of all the collaborations that we've done year after year, like we've done John Legend one year, we did Naughty by Nature one year, we did Public Enemy, we did Nas, we did Wu-Tang. I mean, we did the usual suspects. Um, when we did our ninth year, uh, we wanted to, I wanted to pull kind of a, a non-predictable move. And for me, that move was to, you know, I was like, we should get a singer. We should just shock everyone. Like, who's that singer that people be like, wait, what the hell is this? Like, and we realized that Usher is really the voice of, I mean, kind of the voice of his generation that really speaks to people. And so it seemed kind of weird on site, but then it started to make sense. And, you know, I just feel like, there, there was raised. I mean, you even kind of raised your eyebrows. Like, what's I did? I was like, I sure at the roots picnic. But then when the when this when the music started rolling, everybody it, it makes, was like, it was like a shock to your system. Like, oh yes. No, it makes sense to me because Usher got jams. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I ain't saying that just because you know he's sitting here. Yeah, I, I just think that there's a revolutionary sound that complements all of what you've been building, and I really feel like I'm the voice to carry it out. Wow. I feel like. There's a mission that is bigger than all of the shit that I've done in the past. Damn! Now I feel like the pressure's nah, on me. Like, nah, but, yeah. but, but it's not. It's not pleasure. It's not pressure. It's, it's it's pleasure. Like you really should understand that it took all of that to get to this place where I'm open enough and I'm capable of carrying out what needs to be done and said, both as a standard of business and also to a standard of music that leads to the next chapter. It has textures of our roots, Africa, Cuba, percussions, music, tying the reality of all of what that is, and then also to the truth in it. It's almost like a project that's like the songs in, uh, um, uh, songs in the Key of Life. Like It's, it's going to be something incredible. I believe it. This is the record you and the Roots are doing. I think it's a record that he, I, I think it's a record that we're going to work on. I mean, but it's gonna happen naturally. I think that we've been we've been work you know working together, rocking together, but and now we get into a place where we're communicating. This is us communicating. Marriage live on the air. We're, communi- <laughs> we're communicating in a in a way that you know what I'm saying gets us down in the space of just being creative. If you're just joining us in the final minutes of the Usher Raymond, the fourth episode of Quest Love Supreme, uh, Usher Raymond is now proposing that The Roots and Usher do an album together. And everyone seems pretty much excited. This is what y'all been doing? Yes, I'm I'm excited. Yes, of course. Especially what he's saying. Like, if you go back to the root of what he said, I like that. Like, it's all of it, though. No, I knew knew from the gate it was going to lead to this, Mm -hmm. but part of me is like scared out of my mind. Because. Why? Um, What do you You don't want to mess up Usher? This is probably more. But you you can't. But you can't look at it that way because it's something that, okay, let me give you the reality. The reality is in the process of making all of the albums that I have and having the platform, I've, I've I've been living vicariously through a lot of other people's reality. So even though they've been telling my story, I've been helping the world through like poems and through like the ideas 
of things. And then I've lived things, but I also too need the support musically to be able to tell that story and it not feel like it's just a product for sale, even though it may work. You know what I'm saying? But being able to understand somebody who understands all those textures, you get it. You understand, but you you can't be afraid. You got to just allow us to just go in it and just and get it going. Because fight your Capricorn. Yeah, yeah. Yo, he's looking around. He's looking Suddenly. around like this is a fucking intervention. Yeah, like so. right. <laughs> you know what I'm literally, saying? we have a like, plane ticket ready for you to go. Literally, the entire <laughs> room. If you go tonight. The, just have to agree. Literally, yeah. the entire room is looking at me like. Well, no, no, I this mean, is, at this, that, you, that, at this point in your, in both of y'all's careers, right? I but I mean, you know, with you, I was like, you, in this is in, in my opinion, you know, you really have nothing else to, to prove, do. so right. to speak. So it's like, if you want to make that quote unquote art record with the roots, which I don't think, I'm just using that term use, loosely, but you have nothing else Fuck to it. prove. Right. Like, we know you can sing, we know you can dance, we know you can make hits. And it ain't about, it's like... Understand that it's not a it's a it's about including all of the different textures and places that we both have gone to make it. It's not like just one specific thing. You know what I'm saying? Like use all of it. You see all of the examples of of, of things that I've been able to do and you guys have been able to do. Let's bring it all together and bring the textures because there's a story that's way deeper. I mean, I even figure out what the the actual words to articulate it right now. Are. But uh, I hear you loud and clear. But um, when you hear the textures of what you know is relevant in the sound and the energy of what it is, and then you can go and put the soul behind it and then go also to put the right production behind it and the right ideas and the right ears on it, we know that. We understand that. And we understand it in a way that they need to be taught. You, you know what it is, though? And maybe this is coming full. I, I see Bill looking at me because he knows I'm about to reintroduce the, the self-sabotage uh, <laughs> analogy. <laughs> self-sabotage analogy coming up. No, okay, you know, like, when, and I had to place this on women, you know, like, when women choose a toxic relationship, like, it's easy to choose a toxic relationship because you know subconsciously it's going to fail and not going to go anywhere, so you don't have that expectation. There's no, that's there's no accountability on your part. Right, but so, if you choose a real relationship, it's going to hurt. Some work. And thank you for doing the work already, because you're already doing it. We wouldn't even be in this fucking room right now if you weren't doing the work. My fucking name. right. Thank you for doing the work so we could be in this fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought since we was fucking. R. Kelly. R. Kelly. R. Kelly. Where you at, R. Kelly? <laughs> you're doing it. You're, you're doing it. And, and the reality is, it's going to, it has to organically Yo, happen. This really became a freaking Amir uh, intervention uh, I program. think that's what every show is. But you always <laughs> preface you, that you're afraid of something. That's We've had this discussion. Discussion a number of times. I read a lot of psychology of books, man. I'm sorry. I, I know, but I, I I don't know. I don't feel like knowing you as a person would think that you're afraid of anything. Yeah, it just seems like more of like an opportunity that you just can need you to think grab of a more competent person to carry that out. I'm afraid a lot. I but I'm also wise enough as as I've seen stated in other episodes. I'm wise enough to listen to my ledge talkers. Sure. You know and. Despite whatever the the so whatever, let's redefine the, that. The, cult leader, the cult leader jokes that so, you guys have, yeah. I mean. So wait a minute. The reason why Bill is here leading as a producer, even though you know he's a musical genius and all that stuff, and his his organization, I'm just saying that I I trust you enough and your musical wisdom 
to also not kiss my ass. I mean, because it's easy. Yeah, I'll tell I you have some employees that I have employees that will just so, that are afraid of me and like oh, so, I don't want to so, make them upset. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that. Um, so I'm, then we need to I'm write. So we need to write ears and the right coaches around us to manage our expectations. Word. That's all you say. You just need. You need in it. You need what I call in life. You need NNAs. <laughs> oh, what's what's that, Fate? A non nigga advisor. <laughs> <laughs> you need them up when you in there. That's nigga of all races. You just right. You just need when you like, yo, son. What you think? Nah, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> you need your non nigga advisors to keep it funky with you. <laughs> I volunteer as tributes. <laughs> Did you come up with that on your own? Yo, that was yeah, so genius. We have to end the episode. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, Yo, sure. quick, quick. Good kisser, man. Why wasn't that shit on the album? Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, what is up? All right, all right. This is I the last question. Fucking record, what man. is up with the string of singles that you put? It's almost like Gangster with BBD. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> these really good singles that didn't quite make the record. Like, okay. what is up with that? Well, what happened was... Good right. Kisser was a great Man, single. Was, I love that fucking song. What had happened was this. Um, I started working on um, the album. And my son almost drowned the day that I started working on it, right? Mm-hmm. So the album that I was working on then stopped. And then I started back up. And then I had to shoot a movie. And then in the that middle the, of shooting... The Roberto Duran, Ro- Roberto Duran movie. Right, and then I decided to take a quick moment, and I went to the voice, and I did, I did that. So all of these moments that stopped in between created like a different spot. I couldn't just pick back up where I was from the from the aspect of building the music. Rather, I write it, or rather, I collaborate and write it. Because the second single was "She Came to Give It to You" with with Pharrell, and I performed that record on um, on MTV. Um, you know, part of it was. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was. It was the record that everybody wanted. Yeah, right. That it, one was to me. That one felt like a post blurred lines. It was kind of like, eh, yeah. Like that was. See, it felt like Pharrell kind of hit. He it, didn't well, have a lot left in the tank. That's weird because as a DJ, I cherish any song in the key of E minor that's. 119 BPMs. <laughs> that's very specific. That was specific. Yeah, very, like, very, very, no, but that's how I think it's a DJ. Not 120. Okay. Like, 119. She Came to Give It To You is is my, okay, I need a 120-er that's in E minor that will lead me to a different. Well, long sorry. story short. I still spin it to this there was such a there, there was such a disconnect in between the work that I was working on then and then where the album went that. In telling that story, it just felt like it stuck out like a sore thumb. It had already served its purpose. It was a hit record. People liked it. It did get... I mean, I don't know if it was as big of a hit as I wanted it to be, but it was a number one record. And um, well, What is a hit for you now in light of... In the age of Like, streaming. does Confessions even exist to you anymore? Is it just like... What do you mean? Which aspect of Confessions? Well, I just feel now that you're about making artistic statements more than... Yeah. Dealing with, oh man, I got to... The only way to make a cohesive... Okay, no. No, I'm going to answer your question. It, okay. do, it does not matter to me to make a record that is like Confessions. Like, I need to have Confessions because Confessions is never going to happen again. It is what it is. It was for that moment, Jermaine Dupree and all of the producers who were part of it were right where they needed to be and right at that moment. And I can't go back and get that. But what I can do is move to the next chapter and do something that feels like a cohesive body of work 
that is valuable, that feels musical, that feels like it's leading, that feels like it's it's pushing the lines. It is. And by the way, the idea of what music is for me now has expanded. Like, okay, some people may like, you know, the older records that I did, but then there's some people that like some of the new shit that I do too. They like DJ God is Falling in Love. They like OMG and they like the original version of it too, Quest. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so. so <laughs> Shots fired. <ooh>. Shots fired. <laughs> so, but, but, but my point is, it's like, so now I'm forced with the reality that I have a stadium of people waiting to come. And I don't have music to serve everybody right now. I only have one record that works here, one record that works there. And while we're in a time where I can put out an, a song here, a song there, and it's fragmented, that's the that's the reality of where we are. You know what I'm saying? Like, unfortunately, even if people have an entire album, the people listen to a single. They like this song, that song, and you don't even know what album it comes from. So what's necessary? What's necessary is to create a cohesive body of work that from the beginning of it, beginning to end, you feel the connection. It might feel like it's a little bit rocky and all over the place and textures taken from all over the place, but it's a cohesive body of work, meaning we need to go get in the studio Lock the door. Bring in our NNA. What do you say? NNA. Your non-NNA advisor. Bring in your NNA board. And, <laughs> it's a board. and a board. It's I a, like the budget. Because there's a couple of them. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of perspectives to be considered. And it is a progressive sound. It ain't going to sound and feel like anything. But, it's, it, but it requires everything to make it happen. Well, Mr. Raymond, the fourth. I know this was painful. No, it wasn't. Actually, I really enjoyed it. You must have because I I stayed Shout out to Jaha, ladies and gentlemen, for for not. Yeah. Jaha, I'm sorry I lied to you. (laughs) (laughs) Top of the top of the hour, I told Jaha, it's gonna be like forty five minutes to an hour, nothing. He's just rubbing his head. He's not looking at you right now. He's not paying attention. He's just rubbing his head. No, but thank you very much, uh, Usher. Uh, I, I hope for a, a great, fruitful relationship uh, in which we listen to. This is like speed dating I or can't something. Can't wait to see what y'all do. I'm, <laughs> see, that's I'm the pressure, man. No, I mean, oh come on, man. It's I just mean, it's art. not pressure. It's like art, it's man. just. I, well, I can imagine. I won't say it's not pressure, but mm-hmm. we have confidence that this shit would be dope based on your record and your record. It's not like y'all gonna make a just good friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like you know what I mean. <laughs> Oh, like, come on, man. Oh, man. He that the, should be the closing song. <laughs> right, right. Or get it. <laughs> like, like, I like get it. Oh, no, no. You didn't like get no. it? Hell no. Nah. Get it was the jam. Here we go. Nah. Like Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder should have never Stevie made records together. Yeah. Oh, is that what y'all Other talking about? Besides Buttercup, I besides Buttercup, Buttercup and I can't, I can't help it. it. They knocked it out the park. Yeah. But get it and just good friends. It takes a little bit more discipline on your part, right, to just get prepared. And then, and then, you know, let it happen because I can carry it out. You know what I'm saying? I can carry the weight. And and some of the ideas and the things that I think we should add in are going to be foreign to people. It's going to feel odd when they first hear it. It's going to feel, they're going to feel some connection to it, but they're not going to know what it is. They're not going to know why they're moving the way that they're moving. They're not going to understand that it's something different. It's something that's intended to nurture their soul. They don't get it. Nurture my soul. I love those two words together. Well, uh, this this is the wrap of of the show, but we... I'm telling you... We do our reflective thing. Because I'm going to speak it into existence until it happens. (laughs) No one's hiding from you. I'm sure I'm in the fourth... 
No, the secret is the book with you. Oh, the secret. You speak it into existence. Yo, anyway, Fonte, <laughs> what did you learn, bro? Yo, man, I uh, I learned Usher's a real dude, man. I one last question: your studio session regimen. <laughs> no, 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 just your no, studio it's real questions. Food, yeah, real question: your food uh, exit. Shout out, my man, exit Mark, exit good child, uh, record uh, engineer. He was telling me about your <laughs> studio session writer mm-hmm. and what you eat in the studio. Like, to, like you, apparently your shit is like crazy discipline. Like, what do you eat? <laughs> We just stopped by Dunkin' Donuts before this interview, by the way. <laughs> right, right, but go ahead. Right. <laughs> nah, but um, I eat fruit. I eat, I eat I like vegetables. You know what I'm saying? It's like bell peppers, broccoli, spinach, um, beets. Uh, like boring. Yeah, it's boring as shit. But well, no, they keep. But you see, alive. But, but what's crazy is that that yeah, it keeps you. It's alive, man. Yeah, and you get Bonita Apple Bomb. Hey, hey. But nah, I've that's learned the, that's that, the uh, best dessert. You know what I'm <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now I've learned that Usher is like you know a real dude, and um, listen to his story is a lot of similarities. And my story as a young kid growing up in the South, and uh, I'm just happy to just be able to sit and chop it up with you. I'm a, I'm a fan, and you know always support what you do. And, appreciate uh, it, bro. Appreciate you, brother, for real. Thank you, man. Laya, um, what did you learn? It's been an amazing ride growing up with you, number one, because that's how it, it feels that way uh, and to see your evolution. But I also learned that, like, Usher is not only hella woke, but hella up to doing something about it. And I know that you're very community active, but you just took it to another level tonight. And so I'm just letting you know with some soldiers out here, we ready. That's all. Yeah. That's what I learned. I, too, I'm going to move my money to a black bank as well. <laughs> well, I have one. Mine is in industrial. Would you need some suggestions? Hey, yes. there you go. You know Carver downtown, hey. Brooklyn. Yeah. All right. Call me. Wait, why are you looking at me? like? Because you said you need a black bank. I was just saying I got some suggestions. Okay. And I'm going to take your suggestions when we off the air. <laughs> okay. So these niggas don't know where my money is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bill... <laughs> Oh, uh, what did I learn today? Yeah, so what did you learn today? I hate. I don't want to say that I learned something, but it's uh, just always refreshing to, when you meet somebody like Usher, if it's someone his status, and you realize that they're not crazy and they're not. They're actually down to earth, and um, you know, like Fonte said, has he, every reason not to be. Yeah, it has if every I reason sold to be. Like million records, yeah, Jesus, like don't tell if I, yeah, I'd be completely. Uh, you wouldn't want to be around me if I sold thirteen million <laughs> or thirteen million records. I couldn't so. tell you nothing. 16. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. I can't tell you now. Six, you couldn't six, tell me if I sold six hundred records. No, sixty-eight. So. Sixty-eight. But who counted? Sixty-eight million. Sixty-eight million worldwide. He is one of the top Billboard artists of the <laughs> century. Something like that. I know it's yes, like, he top is. twenty-five something. Yeah. The numbers don't lie. Yeah. So. um that's um, no. how do you stay humble, man? It's, it's I, I couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't ain't do it. doing it, boss. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> All right, unpaid bill. Uh, I think Usher and I are about the same age, and I was just sort of wondering the whole time what the hell I was doing when I was fifteen. <laughs> right, and uh, and uh, it wasn't the it wasn't what Usher was doing. And Usher, I don't know if you know this, we've worked tangentially on a number of different things, Sesame Street and the otherwise, and we've never actually met. Usher so was on Sesame Street? He was. He sang the ABCs like a motherfucker. Oh, it's one of the coolest things really? in many years that I've worked there. It's great. Yeah, but uh, Unpaid Bill has a lot of jobs, too. One of them is being a, a key Sesame Street songwriter. He's an ego. 
Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fucking terrible. No, he's no right. you ain't eat that. You ain't eat that. He's a ghetto. He's a Grammy, Emmy, and a Tony. I would get, but it makes it sound like I have an ego. So that's great. Thank you very much for that. Uh, but it's it's very humbling to meet you as well. No doubt, man. All right, the, so a- the ABC is a movie you should. Have you know what I'm talking about. It should definitely have wanted something. Yeah, <laughs> it's a mate. Yeah, yeah. Sugar Steve, uh, what did you learn, bro? Um, first of all, I think I know Butter. <laughs> I think I worked with him at Electric Lady back in the early 2000s. I can't. I'm trying to remember what project it was, but um, um, it's a terribly interesting story. Starting so young, and um, you know, I've I've come to. I've come to respect your music and and you from working on all this on all this stuff with the Roots, and um, I think uh, I think a, a collaboration with the Roots would be a great idea. And I think it falls in line nicely with the rest of their collaboration albums, you know. Um, yeah. As far as I think it would work well. Hey, Sounds like a lot of work, but <clears throat> just to add on something, after seeing the the Roots in Usher perform at Brooklyn Bowl like however many months ago i'd buy an album of just you guys you know doing the old yeah stuff. i was old that was my question yeah. Yeah. Is, that, is that gonna be done. is it gonna be a, i was gonna say i felt like uh, you always cut me off when i'm trying to say <laughs> what <laughs> i love <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead steve He's like, sorry, i cut y'all off <laughs> no i was i was wondering if R. Kelly. are you imagining <laughs> you're clearly imagining um original material for the for an album yeah with the roots yeah yeah um it, it's it's got to be original, you know. And maybe there are moments where, maybe there's a song that that's so significant that we have to remake it, and we, and do it in a way that makes it feel like it it was done for the first time by us. But it would be nice to have to have. A, uh, didn't you record that Brooklyn Bowl show? Like, yeah, I recorded I, those. Yeah, it'd be nice to have. You want to put that out? Available, nah, but we in, could in in case. We get and we can set the stage. We again can play. And do we it can again. play something it's similar to the Roots picnic, which y'all did at Brooklyn Bowl. Yeah, it was tighter though. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll we'll okay. We might leave with a taste of what we're doing. Let's do that. Okay. Yes. But yeah, okay. Yes. I mean, there's there's the, the stuff is properly recorded on two inch tape and you know Brooklyn Bowl was on two inch tape. He was smart. Uh, entire Brooklyn. I have to say that um, what you what you won't know about Boss Bill or Fonte is that you know we all come from the OK Player community. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt that Bill was lose, losing faith in us for a good decade or so. But in the roots? Well, yeah. Our, I mean, but it's not like we could surprise you anymore. Like, you no, no, I was, I was, I was, I was with y'all up until I'm done. Okay. Well, that's that's way more. That's two records. That's that's way more than I expect. Nah, that's that's only one record. His cousin was yeah, well, cousin was last that. undone in a cousin record. It's only two. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm just saying that I was shocked that you really liked the the Brooklyn Bowl shows. Yeah. So I, that was my Richard Nichols moment. Like, oh, it didn't suck. Like the 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 Dame Dash. Oh, it's not whack. I was like, oh, I still got a future here. Maybe, maybe I should investigate this. I should think. Um, I learned a lot. I learned that uh, you're probably the most thoughtful singer I've ever met. Because I'm not saying most singers are clueless. They're fucking clueless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I meet a lot of clueless singers that rely on their management and and uh, 
their their weed carriers to kind of <laughs> advise them on what to do. And um, you you clearly have a mission. I do believe that you are going to be the mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, musically speaking. Uh, not now, maybe when you're 60 or 70. I don't know. But uh, I feel that you will take that leadership role. That, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I hope politically, too, a little bit. Oh, yeah. I can totally see Usher being a politician. I mean, you Reverend know. Usher. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Reverend <laughs> oh, Usher. Those yeah. bad boy years going to come kisser. back to haunt you. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, uh, on behalf of uh, Sugar Steve and Unpaid Bill and Boss Bill, and Laia <clears throat> and Fontigolo and Usher Raymond the fourth. Uh, this is Questlove signing off. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit mrsmyers.com today.